everyone. You're listening to Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two best friends recap the plot of romance novels together. And we're usually pretty funny while doing it. This episode is a little different. We read Pleasure by Eric Jerome Dickey, which is an erotica novel, not a romance. We have to give some big, flashing trigger warnings before diving in. I've included timestamps for a few of the big sections in the episode notes, but since we found a lot of the text to be problematic, the discussion is woven through. Please be careful listening, because we read excerpts and discuss in detail misogyny, homophobia, sexual violence, domestic violence, incest, slut-shaming, poverty-shaming, sex-work-shaming, fat-shaming, and graphic images of slavery, which occur in the book. Also, if you absolutely love this author, I would urge you to turn this off now. We don't hold back about how much we disliked this novel. I need to shout out all of our beta listeners. Ashley, Jeanette, Ushma, and Holly, thank you so, so much for listening early and giving your feedback on this episode. And now... Buckle in for our longest episode ever. Pleasure by Eric Jerome Dickey. Oh, hi, Aaron. Hey, Mel. Hi, How are Aaron. You? Are you ready to throw hands? Yeah, I don't. I That's don't. where I'm at. I don't have any banter. I just want to no, get this over with. I don't have time with. for banter. Absolutely not. I have 11.2 million things to say about this book, <laughs> and I will not waste time. All right, here's how this is going to go. All right? Yeah, tell me everything. This will not be a two-parter. No, it fucking won't. So here's what I'm going to do as taskmaster around here. If yeah. this lasts to one hour and 40 minutes, I am shutting it down. I'm just loudly saying oh. bye, and then I'm pressing stop. <laughs> okay? Do we all, do we have a truce? Do we have a deal? Okay, but I'm just telling you that if that's the case, you need to let me go when I ask you to go. <laughs> I'm, okay, all right, that's fine. But right? I'm pulling the plug at one hour and 40 minutes, irregardless. <laughs> oh. oh, it hurts me. It hurts me. And yes. yet... And yet, anyway, regardless of what is happening or what we still have or want to say, I'm pulling the plug at one hour and 40 minutes. At one hour and 40 minutes, we will start Lady Loves. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. Yes. Yeah. Here we go. So, so stop it. Let's go. Okay, but I, I need, we need to do some. How did we choose this book? Okay, Tell right, them, yeah, Eric. We need to do some work ahead of time. So, okay. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a five-star review bribe book that is now yes. over two years old yeah uh-huh yeah so is. this is this is how i choose the lineups guys me aaron i am responsible for the lineups yep. um i try to choose five books that are diverse both in genre and in writers and characters as much as i can while still yep. keeping honest with the bribe so the bribe we put out if you're new to the podcast is if you give us a five-star review on itunes mm -hmm. we will read your book we can't promise when but we will do it right we quickly learned that most of our bribe books are white cis heterosexual mostly historicals and contemporaries which mm -hmm. leaves out diversity of writer character and genre for the most part so we're right we're sticking in books 
where we can to, to liven up our lineup and also keep true to what our readers wanted us to do, you know, in that first like six month period where we got a ton of bribes. That said, this book was one this. So every time I go to do a lineup, I look back at our oldest bribes and I see, okay, which yeah. of these? Because we want to do the yeah, right thing I, by you guys. Right. Well, not only do we want to do the right thing by you guys, but we also want to do the right thing by romance, which yeah. is highlighting as much diversity as possible. Yeah. So if you recommend a book today that is more diverse or interesting or like genre bending or, you know, like any of those things, you're more likely mm-hmm. to get done, you know, like in the next lineup because I'll pick right. that one instead of one of these older bribe books that's just kind of like one of the same. So I always go back to the old ones and see if there's any old ones I can shove into the lineup. This has now become our very oldest bribe book because every time yeah. I go back to it, I'm like, Ugh, I am just not interested in reading an erotica written by a man, a cis man, in first person narrative from a female perspective. I'm just not interested in it. Right. I don't want to read it. I know I'm going to hate it. I don't want it. But this time I was like, right. you know what? I'm going to give a Google to Eric Jerome Dickey. I'm going to Google it up. See I'm what he's doing. Shit out. Maybe it's a Josh Landon wh- where it's really a female, which we we weren't like really super down with that either. But like maybe there's something else to Eric Jerome Dickey that we should know about or whatever. Yeah. So I go check him out. He's a New York Times bestseller. He's an NAACP Image Award mm-hmm. recipient. He, he's like he got all these accolades, and I was like, oh, he's like a really respected writer. And then I went over to Goodreads, and it's just like. Four stars, five stars, four stars, five stars. Mm-hmm. We loved this book. I got this book from my auntie. It's been passed around amongst all of my friends. Oh, my right. gosh. This is a revelation. And I was like, oh, maybe this is like something important that I've not heard of. Yeah, that we just didn't know about. Because, because honestly, we we don't we can't read everything and we don't read everything. And well, that's one of the reasons the podcast is so great. So I also saw that in the Goodreads reviews, because you have the icon and you can see the reviewer, that like 95% of these reviews were from black women. So I thought maybe because I'm not a black woman is why I haven't heard of this author or heard of this book. Maybe it's really big in a community that I'm just not in. I was like, oh, my gosh, we could read this and it could open up whole new horizons of, you know, erotica. Okay, so then... When Aaron told me about it, I was like, okay, cool. That's fine. I'm a little concernicus about it just because I'm generally a little concernicus about first person perspectives written by people who cannot understand the experience. And also because I knew it was an erotica and it wasn't a romance. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I don't have any unspoken contract with this author. I am not insured uh-huh. in HEA. Yeah. I am not insured that the big emotional climax will be taken care of. I am not insured of anything right. with this book. So I was like, all right, we're doing it, man. I'm excited. And then I read the back cover and I was like, oh, oh, because the whole back cover essentially describes a cautionary tale of women like indulging their sensual natures too much like i'm paraphrasing but it's like and then nia discovers how dangerous it is to and i was just like if this motherfucker (laughs) is writing an erotica 
where the heroine is somehow punished for owning her sexuality, I will flip every table in the universe because I am just not here for that. And listener, you may have noticed a lot of tables upturned um, across you? the universe over the we last week. We had an earthquake <laughs> in, in California last week. I'm convinced it. it was you my rage. <laughs> my psychic uh. rage. Okay, so listen. I, I actually, I have given this book so much mental space this week because i was nervous about not liking it i was like yeah you know, I this is like, so well just rated get it is is it yeah. more intellectual than i am so so listen i am putting out a disclaimer right now i am super super open to hearing feedback on this because like i reached out to several people um a friend of mine from trinidad i reached out to is- yeah, the the not heroine, from Trinidad, but her family. Is. Her mom is from Trinidad, yeah. and and like she always, she's always talking about Trinidad. So I wanted to see if there were like if some things that really annoyed me about the wording in the book were like maybe Trinidadian culture or something. Like I was, I was bending over backwards this week trying to figure out: is it me? Am I missing something? So two things: one. Super open to hearing feedback. Number two, if you really liked this book, turn this off. Yeah. Just turn it just off. Just don't. Just don't listen to us. Don't Please put yourself don't. through. Because I am so, I have so much apprehension about the like hundreds of women on Goodreads that really loved this book. And I kept trying yeah, to be and like. Yeah, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, but yeah. I have nothing good to say about I this thing. I kept trying so to like put myself in the position off. of somebody who liked the book like i kept trying to be like no aaron reset and try to like it try to really like it and there was just nothing i could do and i don't know if those women were non-romance readers which is also totally valid yeah however i feel like i also have very very valid reasons for loathing this book and i will enumerate all of them for you don't worry (laughs) however if you really like the book turn this off goodbye i love you goodbye okay we love you goodbye we love right. you. Now it's, Get out of here. Now it's just us. Now it's okay. our. Now it's me. It's me and you, Erin. <laughs> Hi. Right. Hi. Hi. All right. So originally when we were starting to read this book, I told Melody that what we should do is not go through the regular plot as we usually do. Yes. But we should just highlight wave tops of like just things about this book. And then about like 150 to 200 pages and I called her and I said, no, let's do the plot. I think it can be done because it's not it's not very plot heavy. It's just like. It's kind of like Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. In that, like, nothing really happens. It's like, they go shopping, they go jet skis, they go blah, blah, blah. But in yeah, this yeah, book, yeah. it's just like, sex with this guy, sex with that guy, sex with both the guys, sex with both those guys running. and a lady, sex with just the lady, running and then sex, running to sex, running back right. from sex. Right. So what we're going to do is we're going to do it the first way first. Melody apparently has taken copious notes on wave tops of things she wants to discuss about the whole book. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through each scene and I'm going to be like, sex with Mark in dirty bathroom. No, sex with Carl in dirty bathroom. Carl. Melody, yeah. have anything to say? And then we will say the things we have to say. And then we're going to move on to the next scene so we don't get bogged down and stay here for seven hours because yes. danger. Okay. But I'm also I'm also telling you that while I'm going to do the wave tops right now, uh-huh. I mostly did like a summary outline at the top. And then I also sort of did chapter notes, too. So okay. I'm going to give you a few examples 
of the wave tops up front, and then I will probably let you know specific examples within each scene when we need to. I have many out loud readings that I want Fabulous. to do. Fabulous. Okay. I love All right. it. I love All it. Right. Okay. So here's the thing, you guys. Number one reason that I really did not appreciate this reading experience. The first one is that Nia, so Nia is the protagonist, and she she's a ghostwriter right now. And she's always talking about how, you know, she owns her sexuality and she doesn't need a man and like men can't take up too much power in your mind or in your world and all of that's fine. But then while she says that out loud in like chapter one, the author then spends the next 44 chapters undermining that. Right. Nia is also presented as an intellectual and she is a ghostwriter, mostly for erotica. So here's the thing. This felt like a very unsafe reading experience for me. First, because, again, I didn't have any kind of unspoken contract with the author or the book because it's outside of the romance genre. It's not going to do what I think it should do necessarily. But second... Because this author communicates so much barely concealed disdain for both erotica, but then especially yes. romance. Yes. Um, in the very, very second chapter, she's talking to an editor, and I'm sure I'll get it there. But she's always calling what she writes smut. And yeah. let me see. She says, I had issues with dumbing down work, for it was through the dumbing down that the writer disrespected herself disrespected the craft and so all of a sudden my hackles go up reading that and i was like hold on is this a commentary on romance and erotica as a whole or is this just a commentary on commercial genre writing versus literary writing like what the fuck is going on here either way i don't like it but i found out throughout the book that it is absolutely a commentary on both erotica and romance and any other commercial writing. Yeah, like this author on literary really, writing. Yes. Really frowns on genre books, on screenwriting, writing for television, scripts mm-hmm. of any kind. Um, but I also felt in that passage and in others, the writing in this book is this is an author that will choose a four syllable word when he can at any opportunity (laughs) and at the expense of his reader and at the expense of the meaning he's trying to convey at the expense of you understanding what's going on just to sound smart just to sound more flowery just to sound a little bit above everybody's head look what i can do look what words i know and is very transparent about it and in in passages like those i hear eric jerome dickey saying my editor has tried to tell me to dumb down this book and others. And I refuse to do it because that passage goes on to state that it's not her fault, meaning Nia's fault. If the reader can't understand her million dollar words because they're too dumb for her writing and reading this book, there were a lot of big words that I didn't understand why they were there or what they were for. Can I give you one really good example? Okay. So this is just one of, uh, I mean, I'm talking hundreds. So it says, I put the tip of him at my opening and I moved back and forth, teased him across my dampness, refused to allow him to burglarize himself inside me. 
what he's trying what did, to say what mean what what he's trying to say is steal inside me sure like steal inside which is a phrase humans say but instead right. he double clicked on steal and was like mm, what's a bigger word that i can put there and burglarize mm-hmm. himself inside does not mean anything no unless you go back to the root phrase that everyone uses and burglarize doesn't even mean steal listener it if doesn't. you're a lawyer it means entering the the curtilage or home of somebody in the nighttime with the intent to commit a felony and listen right. Hey, you don't need to steal anything to be a burglar. Eric Jerome Dickey doesn't know that, but he did look up excited under it, utterance and explain it to me for two pages near the end uh-huh. of this book. I don't know. I hate. Okay. I know okay. what a so, fucking excited right. under so, utterance is. So, language, okay. And then the other thing. <laughs> yes. But then, then, uh, right after this whole, like, disrespecting yourself by dumbing down the work bullshit She's talking to her editor and it says, we agreed that true erotica at its best was more than sex. It was a study in human behavior, in the complications of existing. It focused on human desire, desires that were being acted upon. And like, yes, sure, that is true. Yes. But my note there is in all caps, oh, God, is he going to philosophize at me? Is he? And, yes. And listener? The answer is yes, and it is some gender essentialist bullshit the whole yeah. time. So I just need you to know that. Anyway, so he has an absolute disdain for romance and erotica, and he doesn't even try to lie about it. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is, so the second reason that this felt unsafe and I did not enjoy it as like I didn't find it sexy is because in all of the sex scenes in all of her inner monologue anytime she's getting like remotely into a sexy place in either mind or body the author brings in three ways that undermined the sexiness or made me like actually full body shudder look at you writing a thesis i'm sorry i'm fucking listening yes so the first one is that he's always sandwiching or juxtaposing sexiness with violence or threats or fear of violence or threats like there's one time where she's sitting with one twin we'll get to it then and she hears somebody say like, oh, are you cheating on me with him? And she immediately, like, she tells us that she's like, oh, my God, my ex is here. My violent ex that just threatened me in the scene before is here. He's looming over us. He's going to do us harm. End of chapter. And then she looks up and it's Mark, the other sexy twin who she definitely wants to bang. Making a joke. Yeah, making a joke. She even says she looks at his shoes and those are the same shoes that her ex wears. Yeah. So you are led to believe this is the ex. And like, it, there's a lot of yeah. fake outs like that that are not okay. And part of that is because Nia is an incredibly unreliable narrator in order to exploit the reader's lizard brain. Right. Like, the only times that Nia doesn't know what's going on is when we're supposed to believe something is dangerous or wrong or bad when it's just mundane. Okay, so then the the next thing is that there's a lot of imagery communicating that Nia in particular is immoral. Sometimes it's imagery that also says that the sex act they're engaging in is immoral, but it's not usually her partner and most of her partners are male. 
So like in one scene, Mia is um, she's talking about the heaven that is the bright white linen sheets in the Weston room and how mm-hmm. everything is white and bright and it's a heaven and it's a blah, blah, blah. And it's like my dark skin contrasted completely Ugh. with this angelic environment, essentially. Mm-hmm. And and that is just one of the times that we are, that it's communicated that Mia is immoral for doing what she's doing. Okay. The next one is that He's always bringing in disgusting imagery. Yes. One time they were in the middle of a sex scene and he's always bringing in infants and children into my sexy times. He'll say whoever's fucking her right now is like licking her yoni. Don't get me started on that. I'll talk about it later. God, she's counting the licks on Mm -hmm. her vulva and then it'll say like she laughed like a child hearing a joke on Sesame Street. Ah, oh, no, that get was it out uh, of there. Yeah, that was Kiki Sunshine laughing. God. Oh, yeah. I hated that so much. But also like she's always talking about man, one time she said that she suckled on a dude's dick until he moaned like a baby. Yep. And I was like, why are we doing that ever in our lives? No. And He's usually bringing in sad, emotional imagery. At one point, mm-hmm. he says that this man's cum was tears. This yeah. cock was like weeping tears. Melody, you're getting too ma- too much into examples. Okay, <laughs> fine. I'm sorry. Fine. But like, it's horrifying. And I think I know why, but I don't know if we should save that for the end or if I should talk about it now. What do you mean? Why he's doing it? Yeah. That he hates women. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of misogyny happening. Oh, also, everybody, everybody's um, every time, like four or five times, he talks about a dude's dick and it's always an anatomical blessing. Oh, or God. like, well, she his, has it's, it's blessings for blessing, vaginas, too. Everything no, is blessing. Only one time. Only one time. Oh, was okay, a vagina. I remember her talking about her own blessing at least once. <sighs> okay. I have two okay. things to say that are wave tops about the whole book. One is the sure. word splitting. We haven't mentioned. Oh, yeah, the word splitting. So he does this thing where he splits. Okay, wait. Yes. In the ebook, it did it. Oh, so it's not in the physical copy? So I reached out to a bunch of people to see if anybody had a physical copy. And Danny responded. Danny from Black Chicklet said that she had the book but hadn't read it yet. Mm-hmm. And she said that she did skim through it like a while back. And she thinks it's an ebook quirk. That's very odd. I agree. Um, because it's only on very certain words like pleasure. Yep. The title of the book is split into plea sure yeah, 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 most yeah. of the time. Mm-hmm. Morehouse College is split into more house, which was yep. very weird to me. Uh-huh. Panties is pan tees or pan ties. Right. So the fact yeah. that it's only certain words and it's nervousness. Yeah. And in D pen dent. Oh, I didn't see that one. Twice. It seemed stylistic in nature and not. Yeah, right. That in particular, I have been thinking about this all week. And that's why me I too. reached out to so many people because I was like, is this some sort of poetic statement that i am just not grasping and and i went round and round about like is he splitting pleasure into pleasure because we're supposed to think that like she is 
incredibly sure about what she wants that she's pleading for. Yeah, it's a a plea for like surety or, you know, like uh, permanence. I don't know. I don't know. And and also, there was a lot of stuff in here that was like, men are like this, women are like that. Oh. And she hates other women. She hates other women. Women are so awful to yeah. each other in this book. And the only time that she's nice to a woman is when she thinks she's so stupid, she's not actually a threat. Right. Exactly. Or when she's actively having sex with her. <laughs> sure. And the oh, I really think the only reason she does that is because she thinks that she's too lowly to like actually have any sort of emotional or intellectual connection right. with her. And like justice for fucking Kiki Sunshine. And also <sighs> Justice for Kiki once Sunshine. You, once you introduce a person's name one time, Eric Jerome Dickey, you can just say like just Kiki. You can just say Kiki. No, this Kiki is a man that refers Sunshine. to himself as Eric Jerome Dickey wherever oh. he goes. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I guess. But I don't he's at a restaurant. Sunshine is that he's style. at like the Cheesecake Factory and the waitress comes over and is like, hi, how can I help you? And he's like, Eric Jerome Dickey will have the cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. All yeah. right. So now we're doing plot. Okay, let's do it. Let's scene do this plot. by scene. Okay. Plot scene. Number one. Weird yeah. three part, three location masturbation scene. Melody, do you have anything to say? I have so many fucking things to say about this. First of all, have you ever changed locations three times because you could not come by yourself? No. Great. Me neither. Just to put that out there for the record. Why stimulator? First of all, Nia lives alone. Why are her sex toys in the bottom of a filing cabinet in her closet? First of all, filing cabinet in closet? Question mark. Second of all, why aren't they next to her bed like any normal person, especially yes. one that lives alone? You could have it in your dishwasher and that would be fine because you're by yourself, bitch. <laughs> Third of all, why stimulator, Eric Jerome Dickey? He calls just it call a it a fucking vibrator. Just call it a vibrator. It's just a vibrator. During this this like three location masturbation scene, her phone goes off and he calls it, it is a, a cellular, cellular Throughout the entire book, a cellular, except for one time at the end, she says Mm -hmm. phone. And I'm like, oh, my God, did this guy go back and change phone to cellular? I think he fucking did. I think he said, find phone, replace all cellular. And then Mm -hmm. he wrote the last scene. And yeah, it just left one, one sad little dwigged. (laughs) Okay, third of all, third of all, have you ever in your entire life filled up an an entire two-person jacuzzi tub to the brim in order to try to masturbate in it. Well, she was really desperate to, to... But how does that make it easier? She's not using the jets. She's just making it extra hard to, like, not slip under the water. How uh, is she, she did supposed use... to gyrate at she all? She did use jets. May I read? Sure, please. Go ahead. I took my tingles to the bathtub. Oh, God. <laughs> taking her fucking tingles places. Stop her it. Her tingles go with her wherever <laughs> she goes. Her tingles never, are always. Ever present. So Nia takes her tingles to the bathtub. Sat on the edge as I filled it with water. Added jasmine scents. This is location number three, by the way, three. guys. Like, she's in the middle. She's two-thirds of the way done. 
This is after her stimulator stopped vibrating. Yeah, it ran out of batteries. Um, her lover died, it said, when it ran out of batteries. Okay. Turned the oh, jets God. on, eased inside the water, and let the eight jets send intense streams of water against my body, each stream a liquid phallus. Come on. And put my feet on both sides of the tub, allowed those bursts to flow across my clitoris, eased closer, adjusting until I found the right spot, my spot. And then, just so you guys know, when she does have an orgasm, it is, quote, voluptuous. Oh, voluptuous orgasm happens roughly seven times in this book. I feel like I have to Google it because voluptuous orgasm happens so many times. Second so, of all, hey, um, hey guys, guess what? If you were wondering if this is an erotica firmly written by a man, you oh. are absolutely right. Because this liquid phallus bullshit, I don't fucking need a phallus to get off, bro. Like, <laughs> get out of my orgasm, you asshole. Or, I'm sorry, you chocolate, chocolate starfish. starfish. <laughs> We'll get there, too. I have so many things to say about her chocolate starfish. Okay, listen. Also, during this (sighs) scene, when she finally, (laughs) like... Are are you about to talk about what I hope you're going to talk about? I don't... I don't please, think so. Please, I'll let you know. I'll because you know. the look on your face does not match what I'm about to say. Great, but I just want to say, that, like, Melody mentioned that there's, like, an element of danger every time mm. she gets any kind of pleasure. Right when she's, like, about to be done, there's, like, a rattle at the door and she thinks somebody's, like, coming yes. in to kill her or something. And then it turns out to be nothing. It's just her cell phone vibrating, I think. But, like, that's the kind of thing. It's, like, every time she has some kind of sexual experience, there's some kind of weird danger element that he's clearly inserting as, like, a overarching theme or metaphor in this book. Yes! That's, like, not cool. No! It makes me, it makes my lizard brain always on high alert, and I could not, this was not an enjoyable experience because it was either danger or gross every time she got off or thought about getting off. He also uses the word orgasm without any, like, um, articles. Without any article in front so of it. So it's just orgasm overwhelmed like, me. orgasm as if it's a approached name. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why? All right. Okay, so wait. Um, the word voluptuous appears six, time in this, six times in this book. Five of them are voluptuous orgasm. And the final one is... Somebody needed to release a thousand voluptuous moans. Ew. Ew. What does it mean? Is it a very curvy orgasm? Like, is it very wavy? Is does it-, it have big boobs? Yeah. Is the moan <laughs> big boobs? <laughs> I can't hate it. Okay, finally. Okay. Wait, and right before she gets off, because let's review, she has been in three different rooms attempting yes. to coax her clitoris into giving her some sort of satisfaction and she can't do it you guys until she has a hallucinated conversation oh, with yeah. a nice nin all right let's she do this talks now to the ghost of fucking a nice nin in order to come yeah and i guess we should do this now because this, this first now. chapter is so incredibly frustrating i i called aaron and i was like listen i don't think i can read this book yes. and i like I was like, I'm, I talked Melody off the like, ledge. Yeah. And I said, oh. this is job. Bing, bong, bong. Do your fucking job with Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to do this. <laughs> and this is like, job. You're right. Must read you're book. Right. Because readers have given us permission 
to stop reading book if if is like um one more blue but this is just yeah. a book that we don't like it's not that it's unsafe for our well it is no it <laughs> is i'm sorry. sorry it's just a different I'm sorry, kind of but i made melody read book i'm sorry yeah, i just made her do it listen no it's fine everything about that is fine and frankly my rage has emboldened me and it's it's very empowering how i feel right now okay good so i boned up again i reviewed some a nice nin because i've read a few of her things but it was a long time ago and i was like there has got to be something else going on here i, I just don't understand and, I, and again this is my very first eric jerome dickey book so i don't have anything to compare or contrast it to right and this is 476 pages long so there was no way i was going to attempt another one of his books in the same week it's so long you guys so i went back and i went through a nice nin's Delta of Venus. And there is so much thematic and imagery that feels as though it's like pulled directly from there. And also uh, like a nice nin's life and au revoir of work. Like what sorts of things? Is it just that she was sure. in this throuple or no, is it like no words worries. and stuff? Here I go. No, okay. here I go. All right. Okay. All right. So do you want me to talk about Delta of Venus first? Because, okay, sorry, I'm, I am. Here I go. I'm giving you, um, you have six minutes for this. Great. So however, okay, so, I'm going to give you time signals. So Delta of Venus is, is really interesting because on the one hand, when it first came out, it came out, it was published after her death. And it was lauded as the very, very first erotica written from a woman's perspective. And it's a collection of her stories. And so on the face of it, you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, lady erotica, women's blah. And for a while, she was sort of a, a feminist darling, both before her death, when her very first volumes of her diaries were published, her edited diaries. She was like sort of a feminist darling, but she always very, very particularly distanced herself from feminism as a movement and particularly feminist activism. Okay. And that's really important because a lot of her overall theories about women and men are very gender essentialist. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It's very biologically based. She's always talking about women getting penetrated and how that's a, mm. a commentary on the way that we feel and the way that we experience romance and blah, 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 which Nia does in this book. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds very familiar to this book. Yes, because Eric Jerome Dickey took this this theory on the way that men and women relate and then he attempted to put it into a modern day intellectual without any sort of revamp according to any other intersectional variable right. mm -hmm. it doesn't account for the times it doesn't account for nia's upbringing it doesn't account for her socioeconomic background it doesn't account for the fact that she was an immigrant from a very particular place it doesn't account for her blackness it doesn't account for anything it's just copy pasted basically into this book from a theoretical standpoint mm -hmm. so the second thing that i think everybody should know about delta of venus is that this was originally written as a collection of short stories that was not for mass publication. This was not Anais Nin sitting down and saying, I'm going to re write erotica for the masses. And this is going to be 
a an erotica from a woman's perspective. She actually wrote it for a private collector, a wealthy man who Henry Miller introduced her to. And she wrote it like just for this perv for a dollar a page. Her boyfriend, Henry Miller. Her boyfriend, Henry Miller. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. And and uh, supposedly Henry Miller also did this like when times were tough and they needed extra money. A dollar a page, this private collector. So you have to think like you have to take into account the audience for which mm-hmm. she was writing. Mm-hmm. This was not a woman writing erotica for herself in order to publish for other women or just the public in general. She was writing for this one particular dude who enjoyed collecting erotica of different types. So I really think the audience is important when thinking about this. But the themes in Delta of Venus that are very, very, it makes you think it's really familiar. Kid stuff and pedophilia. The very first short story in this book involves incestual rape, pedophilic rape. There's a metric fuck ton that goes down in this thing. And one of the diaries that she allowed to be published after her death was called Incest. And it was all about the um, incestual relationship she had with her father when she was around 30 years old. And she called it a great adventure and blah, blah, blah. So after like, he incest is a big thing. When she was underage. Yeah, there is. There is. I don't remember if that's actually something she wrote or if it's something that somebody said out loud afterwards. I think it's in one of her other diaries. But yeah, I just think it should be acknowledged when acknowledging her consensual relationship with her father that it had been groomed from a young age. Possibly. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Another one is dogs fucking in one. God, dogs all over this book. Mm. Dogs fucking. In one story, a character gets super high on weed and gets convinced she's a dog and then demands and like asks dudes around her to suckle her like they are her puppies and then take her, quote unquote, like dogs do. I'm sorry. Weed did that? Yeah, apparently. (laughs) I don't know. Listen, I don't know. Okay. All right. Sorry. Keep going. Okay. The next thing is like Lady Chatterley's Lover is thrown in as like a book that a character is reading in one of these short stories. Also in this one, man, she's giving me time signals. Mm-hmm. This is rough. I'm sorry. That's why I'm talking this fast. Third of all, really weird phrasing. Like she was beautifully formed with high breasts, mm-hmm. long legs, a stylized body. What the fuck does that mean? A nice That man? sounds familiar though. That sounds yes, very it does, familiar. Doesn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, so characters contriving situations where someone else will be forced to overhear them having sex mm-hmm. happens in Delta yep. Venus, like the phone call between Carl and Mark and mm-hmm. also their whole vacation <sighs> down in Jamaica. And that poor um, man at the rug store. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me see. We've only got 15 seconds left. I'm going to weave this into the rest of it. Yeah, so I'm good. That's the big things. Those are the wave tops. So we think in some ways maybe Mr. Dickey was trying to rewrite these erotic stories. I think that what he was doing is he was trying to create a work that a person who deified a nice nin would create, right? Mm -hmm. Because... Most of Anais Nin's literary contributions, the thing that she actually thought were her literary contributions, were her diaries, both edited and then less edited. It People claim that they're unexpurgated, but they're not. They're, they were definitely edited just without her input. And then the other thing is that the only reason Delta of Venus was published after her death 
the only reason she allowed for it to be published because she didn't want it to be was under the conditions that her estate needed to take care of her husband's. So publishing Delta of Venus was a purely posthumous financial decision for her. Mm -hmm. So there you go. But I think what he was trying, he borrowed very heavily from Delta of Venus because this reads as though it is a philosophical diary by Nia who deifies a nice nin. Right. Okay. So there you go. Okay. So if you recall, her cellular did buzz <laughs> while she was achieving orgasm. And yeah. what she got was a text from her, we think at the time, ex-boyfriend, but it seems to be maybe boyfriend who she just kind of like ghosted back in Memphis. So she yeah, now lives in Atlanta. Of. Logan lives in Memphis He's sending her these texts like, what did I do wrong? What's going on? And and I thought it was an ex, but it turns out she just kind of like picked up and left him and moved mm -hmm. to Atlanta. So the text reads, what did I do wrong? Irregardless of what you think, I'm worried about you. Irregardless of what you think, you're, Y-O-U-R, the only woman I love. You're, Y-O-U-R, the only one. Please call me back from Logan. Right. So she is pissed. That he's texting her because she doesn't want to have anything to do with him anymore. But she's also like double, triple pissed about his grammar because she is smart. You guys like she is smarter than everybody. Guys, she, and she wants everyone, everyone to know, that to know she's it. Smart. Don't you fucking forget it. And then it says part of my brain began firing like crazy. My frontal polar gyrus, the part of my brain that dealt with irritation. It oh, cursed God. Logan. I'm like, shut up. My frontal polar gyrus is on fire right now. I swear to God, listener, if I pronounce that wrong, do I don't give a not shit. tell me. Do not tell me. <laughs> you are no better than Nia Simone. I don't give a shit. Moving on. Yep. Next page. Okay, this is the part where we were talking about with the with the words and the dumbing down. With the editor. I just want to finish that passage because I think it really communicates what Eric Jerome Dickey's like life philosophy is. Okay. Oh, so, so she's saying her editor says to keep the language from being too deep, keep my vocabulary unchallenging, and do whatever I could to replace sensuality with vulgarity and crassness. I had issues with dumbing down my work, for it was through the dumbing down that the writer disrespected herself and disrespected the craft. I did not want to cater to those who were afraid of words, those who embraced ignorance as it was their favorite religion, as if they had forgotten about those who marked for their physical and intellectual freedoms so oh, like i you. guess the problem that i have with this attitude besides just like the obvious that it's like snobby and it just right. seems like he's talking down to his reader it, it seems meta like he's saying in this book like if you think that my language is too over the top like i've used mm -hmm. a thesaurus for every word it's you that's dumb not me right 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 yeah. But also like the thing of like how it's disrespectful to your ancestors and the people who marched for your rights and freedoms and everything like. Well, and especially just, especially since it, you know, he's a he's a black author and he's very, very prominent in the black literary community. When yes. he says March, I immediately think Martin Luther King. Right. Yes. Birmingham jail. You know what I Me mean? Me too. That's what I thought of. And I started thinking about linguistic discrimination and linguistic gatekeeping mm. movement. Like, well, actually, the first time I heard about that was from 
Frank McCourt, the Irish author that wrote Angela's Ashes, and he was okay. like in this big movement of you should be able to write how you speak. And that's yeah. true to your cultural, you know, background and how you grow up and talked in your house. And that may yeah. be different than how somebody else grew up and talked in their house mm-hmm. and to their parents and like how that's true writing and any other way is how languages die and cultures die and stuff. Absolutely. But also this idea that insisting on perfect grammar and perfect, you know, quote unquote, perfect English is right. a way to like keep people out of discussions and keep people it, oh, it's a gatekeeping yeah. thing. Absolutely. And it's something it's not always used, you know, to keep people of different races and ethnicities out of rooms. Mm-hmm. You know, it could also be to keep somebody from uh, a white person from rural Louisiana out of a w- room that doesn't sure. have the socioeconomic benefits that somebody else does. Yeah, I yeah. just pulled Louisiana out of nowhere. But you know what I mean? Like a rural place versus yeah. a accessible place. But like, yeah, most definitely. It usually is used to keep people of different racial and ethnic backgrounds out of rooms or people with accents or people where English isn't their first language. And in a book like this... It's used to keep people outside of the dominant culture, out of really important conversations about how society is structured. Right. It's a way of othering people. Most definitely. And gatekeeping. And in a book that seems so very focused on colonization and history and backgrounds, and at points in this book, she... Who her her background is is from Trinidad and the yeah. twins. Their background is from Barbados. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, Barbados. Everyone in yeah. this book is black and it's from an in the island nation. I think everyone, mm-hmm. um, except for Kiki Sunshine, who's from Brazil, or her mother was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, sometimes they like fall back into the vernacular of like the islands, and sure. you know, she talks to her mom a certain way sometimes, and the twins do too. And it's like in a book that's so like focused on imperialism and colonization and keeping a hold of your roots, the way that she sort of comes at Kiki Sunshine about not knowing anything about Brazil as if that's a failure. Right. Right. It's like there were invaders to these places who came to these places and said, you don't get to talk like that anymore. Right. You're going to talk like this now. Right. And for then this character to say, I don't even give the time of day to people that talk with improper, not the queen's english because i'm better than them just felt like a very opposite thing to the thesis of the book to the extent that there is one which seems to be anti-colonist anti-imperialist yeah most definitely no i hear it just struck me big time yeah definitely i don't know if somebody else has a a better take on that i would love to hear it because it irked me out a lot so it's it's interesting because I hadn't thought of it like that. Um, one of the things I actually really enjoy about this book is she, it's set in Atlanta. And so like mm-hmm. when she's on a run or whatever, they go on a run. She goes on a run next. And he talks about how, you know, running past Confederate monuments and, you know, places where mm-hmm. during segregation she would not have had access to. There's all these times when they're they're driving past stores with Confederate flags and like, sure. you know, all the awful bullshit. And so I really, really enjoyed the tension there and calling out that tension, especially from the perspective of a woman who is black, 
but was not brought up in Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I think that that as much as that gets under your skin and is awful, it also becomes commonplace and mundane if you grew up next to the statue of Robert E. Lee around the corner your whole life. Right. Whereas she runs past it and she's like, I'm living in this fucking bizarro world mm-hmm. and it's terrible. And I found those discussions and also the discussions about colonization and where she's from and where the other characters are are from and like these different, um, you know, island nations and also Brazil and all, you know, the histories of all these different places to include the U.S. It was interesting, if a little heavy handed, but very heavy handed. Yeah, I I also didn't understand. And this could again, this could be me. This could just be that I didn't get it. I don't know. But sure, it did not seem to mesh with the other themes of this book, which should be the primary themes, right as an erotica. And Mm. also how she behaved and spoke and interacted with Mm. her environment. And maybe that's the point he's trying to make. I don't know. But again, she keeps saying and acting in ways that I'm just like that that I felt really uncomfortable with like like what she just said about like you better use proper English to my standards right it was just like I that's not the right perspective to have have on that no absolutely um so I don't know it just it felt separate it was like there was this erotica book and then there were also these discussions of you know, civil rights and colonization, all the, you know, and, and all this imagery mm-hmm. that she's walking past and running past and the, the bumper stickers and, you know, all the, those mm-hmm. things. It just felt like a totally separate book from her and her character and her struggles and her emotional journey. Right. No, it absolutely I felt it felt, was weird. It felt heavy handed and it wasn't woven in. It was like, and now, I mean, I think literally I'm, Definitely paraphrasing, but they're like, what should we talk about while we're having Uh drinks? How about we talk about colonization? Yes. So she meets these twins eventually and they're like, what should we talk about? And she goes, let's talk about the colonization of our nations. And then they're like, sure. And then they do for three pages, which was interesting. Which was fine. But like, I have never in my life as a human (laughs) woman been (laughs) like, why don't we talk about <laughs> existentialism as regards schmurder schmur? Yeah, it was like very, I've never. It just felt disjointed and the transitions were very clunky. Okay. Yeah. So now she has. Okay. So she goes for a run. Yes. Mm-hmm. But she does have a call with her mother where she tells her mother that she's going to write a sci fi book. Sure. Yeah. Don't care. It's important to me that we talk about like the sci fi book. <laughs> sure. Okay. So then, <laughs> also when they hang up on the phone, they blow each other kisses. What is that? Who blows somebody a kiss on the phone? Okay. And how did she know that her mother blew a kiss? Okay, bye. I think okay. maybe they were making kissy sounds, but he Didn't said it makes blew no a sense kiss. to me. All right, now she's on a run. Okay. All right. So now she's on a run in a park, and she identifies a man as sexy as he runs by in black shorts and black shoes, and yes. she finds him really sexy. Okay, so then she runs by and she sees him again. Then all of a sudden listener she starts describing a sexual assault that she experienced in london a few years back she was walking down a dark alley in a regular dress like a person wears out in the world and this dude stopped this like upper crust londoner looked like a diplomat looked like a diplomat in his his fancy suit and his nice shoes he took one look at her he pulled out his dick And he masturbated himself to completion. And then he started blubbering and apologizing. And she obviously felt 
awful and violated and scared. And she ran away. But then guess what happens in this erotica written by a dude right after she describes this horrible stranger sexual assault. She says, I'm looking at this super sexy man. And suddenly I, Mia, understand the impulse. Yeah, she gets it now because she saw the sexy guy to pull out my sex and force this person to watch me get myself off because they are so sexy. And if that wasn't written by a fucking man, I don't know what is. This made me so angry. Also during this run, <laughs> she says this out of nowhere. And yeah. let me, this is the first of like several homophobic things said in the book. Oh, there are many homophobic things. I just didn't even thing. know what to take. I was like, uh, I'll just like push this aside. I don't know what this is. But it says, this was Atlanta after all, where most of the educated, good looking and upwardly mobile men were gay. The ones who looked like LL Cool J, but were more interested in the ones who acted like Little Richard than a heterosexual woman like me. A woman had to entertain lesbians to get a date here in Atlanta. I heard lesbians treated women better than men did, but too bad I wasn't in that club. And I just didn't, like, I didn't really even understand why it was there or what it meant or... So anyway, I wanted to say that out loud. I definitely also, hear you. She she oh. sees these like dogs. <laughs> oh my god, these fucking dogs. These dogs are just doing it in the woods. And like there's another dog that's like waiting its turn with its pink dick hanging out. Yeah, there's right there. two boy dogs and they're like chasing a female dog. And there's like a graphic description of like the male dog's penises as they like chase this girl dog. It's super weird, you guys. It's so weird. And it comes out of fucking nowhere and then nothing happens with it. She sees okay. them again. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess it, it does get tied in, in an, a, a nice little bow for us, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Okay, so then, all right. So they, they chat about, okay, so she comes up and she's on the top of the mountain. She's hoping to run into this dude. And she starts talking to this shirtless dude who I think right now is covered in tattoos. Yes, yes it's Carl. And wait, so there are two. I have to read one of the things. The tattoos didn't pull me in like the nice nipples on his chest. Erect nipples that looked like seeds that had been planted and penises were in bloom. You took the what words the right out of my mouth, Melody. <laughs> what does it mean? Does that mean? This was so written by a man. Like, <laughs> Is that what men think that women think when we see men? <laughs> we don't. <laughs> I have never never thought anything like that in my life. For the 10 to 20 men listening, we don't. (laughs) We don't. That is not something women think. (laughs) Um, Oh, wait. There's another one. And and this is one of the examples of him taking a perfectly normal thought and then turning it dirty. (laughs) Yes. And 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 not dirty in a good way. I mean dirty in like a gross violating way. So it says, I wanted to find something wrong with him. Needed to find some fault. There was none I could see. He was astounding. Created visual molestation. Why? Yeah, why? Why would you do that to me? Why would you take 
a moment where I was like, okay, I can see this super hot dude with his tattoos and his eight pack and all the things and then talk about molestation. Yeah. Why? Okay. So then, then all of a sudden, another, then he comes running up the hill again, even though he's standing in front of her. (laughs) Dun, 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 is twins, is identical twin brothers. One half tattoo, tattoo named Carl. One no tattoo, unmarked is Mark. (laughs) Yep. That's how it is. And then they ask what her name is. And she says that her name is Nia Simone. And they're like, Nia, like, burp, burp, burp. And then they're like, Simone. And she's like, like Simone de Beauvoir. And then the the other, the Mark one, the one who's meant to be an intellectual, is like, oh, you mean Simone de, 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 de <laughs> I don't even know Simone de Beauvoir's full name. Here's the thing, guys. No one ever says Nina Simone, which is the clear reference. Like, I just feel like if somebody comes up to you and says, my name is Nina Simone, wouldn't you immediately be like, Nina Simone? And then the person would then say, did they? Yeah, they said like Nina Simone. And she's like, oh, no, it's Nia. I must have herbs it because I was like, no, okay. But then we're, she we're said like, Nia like, like this. this. Yeah. And then and Simone, Simone like this. Like, okay. So this is when I got extra fucking pissed. Honestly. Oh, this is when you get extra yeah, fucking yeah, pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Buckle> up, <guys. laughs> I haven't been super pissed until now. Because this book is filled with Nia philosophizing about gender essentialism, or at least from the perspective of gender essentialism. And if that doesn't cue a thought in your brain, listener, that's just the idea that men and women are innately different and opposed and should like play different roles in society because of their anatomical differences. Like mm-hmm. it's very men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yes. You know, like women should be in the kitchen and men should be out in the world holding swords or whatever because of their penises. Mm-hmm. That's gender essentialism basically. Okay, for example, I'm going to read a passage. I don't super remember where it's from, but it's like right around here. She says, um, men came inside us. They marked us. After sex was done, they remained with us, dripping out of us, each trickle like a thought or an unanswered question. Our insides, our sexual muscles still feeling their presence, still experiencing the thrusts, twitching from the aftershocks of pain and pleasure, feeling that beautiful intrusion that sent us toward what could only be heaven, Mm. left us tasting the liquid desire they had left behind um okay sorry it says while they felt nothing more than sleepy and tired and thirsty Mm -hmm. the same symptoms of an allergy attack they moved inside us moved inside our wombs pushed our insides and disturbed the beats of our hearts i didn't want to take the chance of having the beat of my heart made uneasy Women were excited after sex, wired because their my in, because in their minds the relationship was only beginning. Men went to sleep because for them the orgasm had arrived and the relationship was done. Mm-hmm. So like that is Nia's whole thing, right? And the fact that Nia and Mark bonded over both having knowledge of and reading Simone de Beauvoir really pissed me off because. She 
absolutely did not believe in the notion of gender essentialism. In fact, she like laid the groundwork for second wave feminism when she wrote The mm-hmm. Second Sex because, you know, she said that gender is socially constructed. She is the person mm-hmm. that very first said that there is a distinction between sex and gender. Like biological mm-hmm. sex is one thing. And then the socially constructed gender roles that people base on those biological traits are totally different. And like now we've come a lot further because now we know more about chromosomes and the fact that there's not even only two sexes, Mm -hmm. but like that's a whole other thing. I just, to present Nia as this intellectual who has read and enjoyed Simone de Beauvoir's feminist philosophy and then fill the rest of the pages with that fucking bullshit that like well, yeah. antiquated women are this damaging... way men are this way is constant throughout it's the whole thing always like the sperm always chases the egg he says it so yeah. many times the women are emotional women are rational men are hunters it's yeah yeah and it's like it's so incredibly damaging and then also she ascribes those traits those male traits to yes. lesbians at parts yes and, and that's that's like a whole other level of like a fucked weird up misogyny and yeah anyway yeah. sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you no 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 no. i think that's a an incredible like because here's the thing the best scenario i can come up with is that that presentation and then the rest of her gender essentialist philosophizing and i say her when i really mean him Mm-hmm. Is like a bait and switch, right? But uh, worse, it's a man dressing up in a woman's skin to propagate misogyny to predominantly female readers. Right. And that feels like a really gross betrayal in some way. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. Like, maybe it's a character choice because... At first, I was pissed because I was like, nobody who reads and enjoys Simone de Beauvoir would ever fucking think this. Nobody would, right? And and I thought that the implication was that Simone de Beauvoir was like a big influence on Nia and Mark because they, I mean, he knows every single one of her seven names or <laughs> however many names she has in her full name. Mm-hmm. But like... Uh, Throughout the rest of the book, it really becomes clear that a nice nin is her one and only literary deity. Yeah. And a nice nin was very famously and like not a part of the feminist movement, would not call herself mm-hmm. a feminist. And she also wrote from a very gender essentialist perspective in her own writing. So like maybe it's a character choice, but but the meta politics with the you know, it being a man who's writing as a woman. I think maybe four women yeah. really squicks me out and makes me really angry. And I was thinking, you know, I'm not I'm not up on all this feminist theory in the way that you are. Sure. But I I was thinking that since at the beginning she like that first that first masturbation scene we have with her, she like has a whole conversation. With a knife while she's like <clears throat> doing yeah. her business, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all then when she meets these guys, she starts talking about Simone more. Like, and right. I was thinking that there was going to be an arc or an evolution throughout the book where yeah. these two theories would war with each other. Yes. And then 
she would see the light at the end of, oh, it's not this or that. It's, it's, I don't know what the right thing to say. Well, you know, it's, it's the theories that you were talking about of like yeah, sex yeah. is one thing and gender is a different thing and we're all seeking pleasure and we all deserve it. And we, you know, that sort of we're thing. We're all on like a human journey and we have but a no, lot more instead, in common than we do anything yeah, else. Exactly. Instead, we end up in a whole different place at the yeah, end of I this mean, book. But that also, that also sort of speaks to, like erotica in my mind especially okay maybe i'm wrong about this but maybe i'm thinking more about erotic romance like the whole idea Mm -hmm. is that every sex scene is supposed to accomplish something it's supposed to accomplish character growth or plot furtherance or it's supposed to it's supposed to do something different for their emotional connection like Mm -hmm. the erotica part of it has to play a function in the overall story and character's growth and journey. And Mm -hmm. it also didn't feel like this book adhered to that either. I think it did, but it just taught her more and more negative lessons about... Maybe, yeah. Yeah, you know, no, you're right. Maybe I think the destination it, it just did. wasn't what it I wanted. It just wasn't the be. journey we wanted her to go on. But I do want to I do want to say this. Yeah. The passage that you read just now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the last big chunk that you in read. the way way back machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, cuz I've been talking but, about like it for a while. <laughs> that big chunk about like how they come inside us and the and yep. the egg and the and how sex is one way for men and one way for women and how they have allergies and we have we're wired at the end of yeah. it and all that. When I did when I was trying to figure out what's the deal with this book before we recorded I did a Twitter search for this book, like Googling it and doing hashtags of it and all kinds of stuff. And the women on Twitter that were saying, wow, what a great book. Mm -hmm. I so much loved this book, how this book was so true to me. That was the quote that a lot of them were quoting, like portions. (gasps) I mean, not obviously that full quote doesn't fit in the Twitter. Of course, of course. But parts of that of like, men take something from us when they have sex with us and and we have to deal with that sort of sentiment of that quote okay. was all over what women were like wow this is how i feel so oh. that just shows how it can strike people completely differently you know yeah absolutely and i mean i think i think one of the hardest things about about coming about coming down so hard on this book and like having such a viscerally negative reaction to it is just that I know that I am likely not the audience that Eric Jerome Dickley, Dickey was writing for. And I don't know as much as I would like to about, you know, the the forces and like the relational messages and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing that is within that very particular community. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I do think he was writing for women. Right. And yeah. And, you know, maybe something is lost on me with the the colonization and imperialism and um, being a black woman in America. And, you know, those sorts of messages, maybe there's something I'm missing, but I feel like I'm not missing anything in terms of men versus women. Yeah. You I know? don't know. I do. I do feel like enough of an authority to talk about how I experience misogyny. You know, yes, that's what I'm saying. There, yeah. there may be big chunks of this that we we have blind spots and we're missing. Definitely. But I, I think 
I think there's a there's a good sized chunk that I'm qualified to say, no, this is misogynist. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So then Logan decides that he's going to show up. Oh, the dudes invite her out for a drink. And she's yes. like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I've got smut to write tonight. I don't yeah. I don't like writing smut, but that's what I do. So they invite her for a so. drink at the W. I just want to to let you know the level of detail in this book that you have to yeah. wade through. Because before right. she goes to meet Logan, the ex-boyfriend, <clears throat> I sped down the off-ramp and it hit me that oh. I hadn't checked my postal box in a few days. Oh, so instead of going right box. up the Cobb Parkway towards Spring Road, my journey was modified. I went left up Cobb Parkway past Barnes & Noble and Cumberland Mall, then pulled into a strip mall that housed Circuit City, Toys R Us, LA Fitness. So many drivings! And- and a branch Why? of the U.S. Post Office. I wanted to check my post office box. Oh, is it the U.S. Post Office or like oh the British God. one? This, you guys, this is every page. Like the every level of directions. Page. The I know every street in Atlanta and Memphis yeah. and Charlotte's Charlotte or Charlotte's. I don't remember where they go. Greensboro. Greensboro. That's um, the one. I. It's so much all the time, and that's also kind of how the like the the colonization stuff and the the like civil rights stuff and all of that kind of feels it's just like why are we what what, what's happening why are we naming every person and every like work of literature and every store yeah it's very like very detailed to a point where you're you're not really sure what the author's trying to do okay so now okay um she gets a poem in the mail from logan he he wants to come meet her love letter yes yeah it's a six page love letter and he calls her and he's like, I'm actually here in Atlanta. And she's like, okay, I'll meet you at this underground garage. Which, like, yes. second of all, written by a man. If you are going to meet someone in public, you never invite them to an underground garage. What kind of yeah. fucked up nonsense is that? You meet them in, like, a busy street out also, in the daylight. Mal, there were so many errors in this letter. It killed her. How many oh my errors? God, it killed her. She could. She, she hates it. that he's a successful businessman and he doesn't know the difference between your and your and could care less and couldn't care less. And I before and regardless he, and, irregardless and irregardless and, and she goes on and on. It's about pages it. of this. Yes. Okay. So then he shows up. It's a scary. It's a big scary. Um. She uh. She gets heated and she decides that because he won't take no for an answer. He's like, I want to get back together with you. He feels very entitled to her time and um him her being in a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And she's like, No, we, we broke up. We're done. This is a no go zone. And he won't take no for an answer. And so she's like, Hey, I cheated on you two times. Yeah. And right before no, that, no. she says, she says like. This is so dangerous. Like, like the the not the truth is the safe way to go because Logan is huge and he played football and he could snap me like a twig. And then all of a sudden, she just says that like I I boned other people while we were together. But what she says is she doesn't oh, say I boned other people. She says I have submitted to my desires and had oh, new experiences while I was with you. He says submitted to your desires. What the hell yeah. does that mean? She uh, says, like to you, to you, it would mean that I was unfaithful to you. That paused right. him. He said, you're telling me that you cheated? She says, I'm telling you that I followed my desires. Let them lead me toward new experiences. Ugh. How many times? Twice. Twice with the same guy? No. So, like, this is the type of person she is. 
She yeah. can't just say, I cheated on you a couple of times. You weren't satisfying me. This is over. Yeah. She has to like couch it in this language of like, I am a woman who has desires. Right. It's gross. It's gross. It's she's, really she's gross. She's using feminism and empowerment as a tool to hurt other people. Or to justify that she's hurt other people. Yeah. Break up with him, Nia. Just break up with him. Don't sleep with two people and ghost him in Memphis and then move to Atlanta and then act like it's his fault. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't like the way he dicks you. I get that. Break the fuck up with him. That's all. I'm not justice for Logan. I'm not here for Logan. No, However, I'm not, not. I'm not pro Nia in this moment. No, not okay. at all. But all of that is like very, very danger, danger, danger. And then she's like, yes. I got to blow off some steam. I need a drink. I'm going to go see these twins. So she does. She goes to the W. She gets all dressed up and she goes to the W. And then do you have anything to say about this scene? I didn't write it down. I have one passage that I have to read and get angry about. Is it about bathwater? No. Well, a guy approaches her while she's sitting at the W waiting for the twins. <laughs> yeah. And he says, would you like to come oh, up with my, to right. my suite with me? She says, I'm not your type. He says, what is my type? She says, women who look hip. This is so not like other oh, girls. I can't even. She says, women who look hip her. and chic, but in reality are pathetically lonely and desperate and broke. And How broke. fucking dare like, you? Like the poverty shaming, like the socioeconomic yeah. shaming. I So hate much it. poverty shaming. In Smiling this. women sitting on their low self-esteem, women who oh. never had attention given to them in a healthy way, women who confuse emotional abuse with affection, that's your type. Oh, how fucking dare you? He says, I'd love to drink your bathwater. She says, I piss in my bathwater. And he does leave for good reason, because that's a weird thing to say, Nia. It's very um, strange. It's a very like, strange thing to say. I feel like, you no, know, it's just, you gotta lay your cards on the table, you know? And Pro then Nia she later sees that guy <laughs> in the parking lot getting head from another guy, and then she says some other homophobic oh, stuff in her we, brain. We can, I've got it right now, if you want. I just Basically, didn't know if you wanted to go into it. I think that we should just do it now so that we can get past it. Okay. Yeah, so she sees this, this, she hears someone getting oral sex, and she knows, she sees the dude that hit on her. Oh, God, she hears the slippity slap of saliva. She so talks gross. about it in that way. And so she's super into it. She's like, I'm going to go watch. I'm going to be a voyeur. This is so hot. Like, this is getting me horny or whatever. And then she sees it. it it's another dude. And she gets super grossed out. And I'm not going to read all of it because we don't have time. But the one, like, bold that that jumped out to me was, Moments like this were disturbing, comma, beyond depressing. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Says the woman that in less than 12 hours is about to have sex in the same parking lot. I mean, yeah, after she fucks twins at yeah. the same time. So, but, like, I mean, if, why don't if we not... If she's in the game of like public sex is depressing and humiliating and, you know, degrading and all these things, she's about to do exactly. it. Exactly. It's obviously not it. It's not the publicness. It's the homosexuality. Yes. Mm -hmm. Go fuck yourself. So to the extent that you think that it's public sex, it's not. She's all down for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not. So, okay. So she sees the twins. She's like, the thing happens where she's making out with Carl in this public space. And then, then somebody's like, are you cheating on me with him? And then she's like, oh my God, Logan's mm -hmm. here. We're all going to die. He's going to kill me. And then she looks up and it's Mark making a joke. So lots of danger signals happening. Yes. 
And Mark's married, and we've known this from the beginning. Oh, yeah. Mark has worn a wedding ring from day one. Yeah. And she has said she prefers married men because they know the score. They know that it, like, she knows that they can't make it more serious than she wants it to be. It's like a no strings attached from the beginning thing. So she likes it like that. This is a feminist who prefers married men, everyone. Yep. Yep. Congratulations, Nia. Good job. Good job. So then, okay, so she's sitting between these twins, and then, like, she kisses the other one, Mark, and then Mark says, have you ever been licked while someone else was kissing you? And uh, then, what, what is being licked? Hold on. He, she's like, what? And he's like, well, what do you call your downstairs region? And she's like, I call it my yoni. <laughs> and oh, <laughs> you guys yoni has been ruined for me eric jerome did not before listen i've never had a particular attachment to it but now i have a ptsd reaction to it same but i mean i you guys i'm a i'm a kundalini yoga teacher and i she cannot is. stand when somebody <laughs> says to do something with my yoni in a yoga class just call it what it is mm-hmm. the, because what's going to happen is somebody's going to raise their hand and be like this is my first class what am i what am i contracting and right. then you have to be like your vagina your vagina do a so kegel just say it just say it just do kegels <sighs> Also, the reason, I think the other reason is that in this book in particular, again, please let me know if this is a term that Eric Jerome Dickey just prefers. If that's the case, then ignore what I'm about to say. However, this is my only erotica that I've written, that I've read from him. And it felt as though it was another one of those things that's supposed to signify that Nia is an intellectual yeah, and a she's feminist. Better. She values herself. She has self-respect. Burp, 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 blah, yeah, blah, she bullshit. refuses to use the word pussy. She refuses to use yeah. certain words because they're um, beneath her. They're pedestrian. Mm-hmm. And it just like it just added that extra layer of like girl crime and shame. Yeah. That made me so fucking mad. Okay. So listen, she's like, wow, that's never happened before. And I'm super into it. I it, She says, I see you two as one person. Mm-hmm. And this is after one of them looks at her and is like, we've been competing our whole lives. I hate when I'm compared to my brother. We are two separate individuals. Mm-hmm. And then she's just like, hey, you're you're like just like the same person, but split in two. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. And somehow they're okay with this, but whatever. I can't get into their brains. We don't have time. But I, there is something I, I want to have time for just because it's hilarious. And please, I think we're supposed to be a comedy podcast. I know. This is not funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to Heaving Bosoms, where we are a rage machine that cannot giggle. <laughs> but um, he really wants her to be like a very upper crust intellectual mm-hmm. person, clearly. But then sometimes the the metaphors and and things that oh, yeah. she likes are very not. And I love. Listen, I'm gonna make. I'm just gonna straight make fun of the author at this point. Yeah, she loves how they wear Axe body spray. You guys. <gasps> oh my god! Yes. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. You guys. Her mom is like a billionaire Hollywood producer. She's yeah. like up, and she's just like, is that? Axe body spray. Later oh. in the book, she's like, she this man almost comes. Yeah, this man wined and dined me. He took me to all the fanciest restaurants <sighs> in town. Of like, 
the melting pot. And I'm like, the melting pot? That's the fanciest <laughs> restaurant you could think of in Atlanta, Mr. Dickey? Like, come on. And there's there's such like 90s. Yeah. There are a few like aged like milk 90s things in here. Mm-hmm. Like nine and a half weeks, the film is mentioned yeah. like multiple times. Actually, twice. that's an 80s movie, but mentioned multiple times. Like, I feel just like a character in nine and a half weeks. Yeah. It's like, um okay like we talk about dale earnhardt a lot like it's just (laughs) yeah for being so exclusionary and highbrow um this author cannot find an exclusionary or highbrow (laughs) reference to save his life which makes me so happy (laughs) anyway all right so carl they have rock paper scissors over who's gonna pay for the hotel room and carl the tattooed one goes over to pay for it at this point, it's a, you know, it's like a consent good. Mark says, hey, if you're not into this, you can leave, like, no problem. Um, and then he he says that she should go to the bathroom and think about it. And then if she doesn't want to, she can just slip out the side door. Yeah, no not worries. a bad move. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, this is pretty great. And now, Erin, I yep. need to talk to you about Lady Friendship. Can we do that? Can we talk about how ladies are friends and also signify friendship? Can we do that? Is that okay I don't know what we're talking about. Don't worry. I will let you know. Is this so a she goes the to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. She goes okay. to the bathroom. Let me find it. And there are these two women at the sink. And they're like laughing or something. And somebody. Oh, yes. Pops that boob does come out. Oh, I <laughs> There's forgot. A boob. There's a boob and it comes out. And so oh and said, she laughed so hard it frightened me, laughed and made a, her breast dance. Her friend looked at her renegade breast and laughed just as hard. So she makes her boob bounce. And it says her girlfriend went to her, took her breast yeah. in her hand, licked it twice, laughed and made it bounce like a toy before she tucked it back in its proper place. And that let me know they were real good friends. That let me know they were real good friends. What? Is what? this what men think women do? <laughs> that let me know they, they were, were real good, good friends. friends. I had completely forgotten about this scene. It's all highlighted, but like so much shit happens later that I completely forgot about it. Oh my God. Slurp, slurp, <laughs> slurp, slurp. Erin, I am the Ooh. most tits out person. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Maybe you know, question mark? Yes. Right? Yeah, sure. Never in my fucking wildest, what even is that? I can't, I don't even have. That's I, much weirder than biting your friend's foot in a jacuzzi if you guys are around you. for the 365 Dinit Patreon. It's much weirder. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, she decides that she's going to leave. And that's when she goes to the parking lot. She sees the two men engaging in oral sex. And the reason that that's important is because she basically thinks to herself, two people engaging in consensual sex is disturbing and depressing to this woman. Mm -hmm. And yet, let's review, she completely understands the impulse to commit a sexual yes. assault. Yes. That yeah. is totally fine. But homosexual stuff is disturbing and depressing. I yeah. hate her. And I hate also, her. identical twin brothers DPing her, also totally fine. 
getting off with a lady later in the book, shameful, upsetting, what would happen if her mom find out? Yeah. Really yeah. And like, here's the thing. I don't want to, I don't want to kink shame. Whatever I feel about it personally, as long as all consenting adults are involved, I don't give a shit as far as like the incest stuff goes. But yeah, it felt really fucking bad because th- this is the way she justifies going to have this taboo incestual threesome. She says, yet these two owned ecstasy. I was entitled to my ecstasy. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it okay for her to return to the W. Yeah. And fuck these twins. That's what made it okay for her to cheat on her ex-boyfriend, too. She's entitled to her ecstasy. And yeah. that is is characterized as a feminist thing, but really it's just kind of gross and selfish the way it's couched in this book. Yeah. I mean, being being entitled to your own pleasure is actually a very feminist idea, but how it's Obviously. written in this book is real gross and, really and gross. selfish and awful and exclusionary. Yes. Okay. And shamey. Also, all of the imagery in this book, as far as like female arousal is concerned, is so written by a dude. It's always like when she walks into the bar, she's like, everybody's so turned on in the whole bar. Women with body language saying they were ready. They were open to being opened. And I just had a full body shudder because I have (laughs) never in my cis female life been like, I'm so ready to like open (laughs) to... But isn't a beautiful turn of phrase by a brilliant writer? Oh my god, open to being opened. It's open in two different ways in one sentence. Gosh, he's good. Gosh, he's good at written words. Okay, so the next thing is wait, I'm sorry. The next thing he says is we're not going to get there. We've only got 20 minutes. I know. We engaged in mutual objectification. Our erotic smiles created exotic secretions. No, no. Our erotic smiles created exotic secretions. What the fuck? Okay, so anyway. So she does go upstairs and have sex with those twins. Um, At the same time, it's not a DP, but it's like kind of... It's it's all oral. You know, just kind of, yeah, all over the place. She does, when she uh, gives a beach, say that she's sucking on his blessing, which really grossed me out. A lot of yoni stuff. This is when he comes tears. Yeah, this is when he cries his, his... tears all over seminal her hand. tears this was this was a strange when he feeds her mangoes where mangoes strange? come from where did the mangoes come from all of a sudden she's getting fed mangoes where mangoes come from where get mangoes while the other guy licks her cooch dudes yeah <laughs> <laughs> <I> just <laughs> all right I don't even think I'm there yet, but I wanted to read this passage. Also, like, Mia always suppresses her orgasms, like, tries not to get there, which yeah, is very why weird. Is that? Also, a, a, a side effect, I think, of a man writing the book. Agreed. Anyway, so listen to this orgasm, you guys, and see if mm. it grosses you out. In, <laughs> in a daze, somewhere between sleep and consciousness, I became a voyeur. A voyeur? Voyeur. Watching, Ooh. imagining... All the angels in heaven uh-huh. having simultaneous orgasms, nonstop sonic booms created endless chills. Explosions rang out like orgasmic echoes. I was afraid of thunder, but it didn't because there's thunder happening. There's a storm, but it didn't scare me this time. You guys, you she guys, imagine, listen, I am not 
a religious person, but that really grossed me out. <laughs> Imagining all the angels. Yeah, I don't like it. Doing sex. I didn't yeah. like it. I did not like it. Yeah. There's also a lot of like opening like a flower, which Anaisen always talked about vulvas being flowers. Also, logistics wise, when the yeah. one is in the shower, I think Mark's in the shower Ooh. and... And Carl is sleeping. Carl is sleeping and she just starts mm-hmm. going down on Carl. But first she grabs a glass of Riesling from the nightstand and then mm-hmm. dips his wiener in there and she then... dips his flaccid <laughs> lingam. <laughs> Into the Riesling. And also, like, get consent before you bring food into the into this situation. I don't know. He's sleeping, you know? Oh, and it comes back when she has an orgasm the second time with Carl. It says the skies exploded, the reverberation of the naughty angels achieving simultaneous pleasures. And I just wrote, Stop! Please! (laughs) Stop it with the cherubic angels! Imagine that! Please! Okay, so then wait, she leaves. Here we it's are. Time to go. No, because during the second, I know you want to go here. He puts his finger inside her chocolate star. Star, yeah. This time it's a chocolate star. Is it a chocolate star because she's black or because of poop? I need to know. I need to know if it's because of poop. I need I to know if she because, calls no, it her chocolate listen. star because she's a black woman or because of poop. You guys, I'm about to say something and like, I am not saying this from my perspective. I am merely saying that it is another, it's another reference that has to do with the booty hole and homophobia. So trigger warning. I just, after reading this book, Eric Jerome Dickey strikes me as a person who might use the term. No, Melody. I think it's the poop. Chocolate start. I think it means poop too. Yes. And then later it's a chocolate starfish. Like twice in this book, it's a chocolate star. And I think at least three times or five times, it's a chocolate starfish. So I don't know. And I just want this. I just want him to say asshole. But he's too much of a chocolate starfish to do that. But just say but. Also, hey, it's one hour and 25 minutes ish. And I can already feel myself not cutting us off. And I want you to know I know. That. I know. <laughs> me sorry. too. I want to talk about this forever. I this, might going. Be a, this is a two and a half hour episode. Listener, I think we can wrap up the last off. hundred pages real quick, though. Agreed. So now she pulls up at her house. She no, gets out. How fucking dare you? Oh, yeah, you're right. Because, yeah, because that is yeah, what happens right. next. Yeah. She gets out. She is drenched in water and has a skinned knee and she's, she's bleeding like, she's bleeding she's all messed up and logan her ex-boyfriend or current boyfriend depending on how you view it who knows is at her house mm-hmm. you know standing in the rain waiting for her and he's like oh my gosh how did you get so disheveled and wet and beat up and bloody yeah he's really concerned and i also am like how mia get beat up yeah. and bloody the last yeah. time we saw her she was leaving she was in a parking garage she wasn't even you know like she left the hotel no, Why yeah, she no the last time stuff? we saw her she was going down on one brother while the other one licked her asshole like yeah. she was good when we saw yeah. her last happy as a clam arnia she says my dress was now nothing more than rags unfit for the homeless to wear oh how stop it dare you. yeah fuck off stop it with your poverty shaming Anyway, so basically what happens here is she tells Logan it's over. He apologizes and then he proposes to her. Right. And she rejects his proposal 
tells yeah. him that she just went home with two guys last night, does not mm-hmm. want any part of him. He gets upset. He kind of vaguely threatens her and says he super that he's threatens her going to safety. murder her and hide her body somewhere between here and Memphis. Yeah, he threatens murder. When she says that she had sex with the two men the night before, yeah. she says, truth flowed from me like I had autism incapable <gasps> of lying. Oh my god, I forgot about Aaron that. Aaron Dickey, that is not what autism is, but... Thanks for trying. Thanks for playing today. Nope, that's not what that is. Also, like, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. I know. Like, I just, I, I cannot be more eloquent in moments like this. Mm-hmm. And it, it's lines like that where I'm like, no, I don't have to give him a chance. I don't have to give yeah. him the benefit of yeah. the doubt or like, oh, maybe it's a metaphor for something bigger that I, I don't I understand don't care about. If it his is. I hate it's it. lines like that that it's like, it doesn't matter how you meant it, man. Like, no. that does not matter. That is just. It's wrong and bad and wrong and bad. And I hate it. And I hate it. So. uh, uh, She says, this isn't about you, Logan. I sought pleasure. None of this has anything to do with you. This is who I am right now. This is who I am. And it's like, it did kind of have something to do with him, though, when you cheated on him. But that's fine. I mean, sure. So then he threatens her. She calls the cops. She has to run away from him. He, like, comes at her. And then he's banging on the door. He won't stop banging on the door to her apartment building. She calls the cops on him, knowing, and, like, and this is woven in. Listen, again, I am not a Logan apologist. He's trash. He's trash from start to finish, right? He's entitled. He's gross. Mm -hmm. However, she acknowledges that calling the cops could put his actual life in danger. But what? she is more worried about is her neighbors seeing some sort of domestic disturbance. Yes. That's actually what she's worried about. She, at one point during this whole thing, she says that, you know, the cops look at her and see that she's all beat up and they want to know what this guy did. And she's like, no, 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 it wasn't that. I slipped and fell, blah, blah, blah. After that, she thinks to herself, she wishes she would have lied to the cops so that he she could wishes have, she were the type of woman yeah. who would do that. So that he could have, quote, joined history with Rodney King. Oh, and it was things like that where I'm like, I mean, that's I, <laughs> that's you unspeakably can't, you can't, awful. Yeah, you, it's unspeakable. You can't write a book that's like all about th- these like historical illusions and the community that she lives in, and you know, like making these political statements about you know how she doesn't fit in in Atlanta. You know, like what we we're talking about with the Confederate flags and everything, and then have her think things like that, and then hope that those tools of white supremacy, yes, help her get rid of a problem. Yes. Gah! Yes, that's what I mean. Is like it's all of this like Ugh. intellectual stuff about colonization and equal rights and political movements and stuff like that. But then it doesn't actually apply to the things she thinks and does and says. Right. The way she treats other humans. It's extremely upsetting. And I hated it. You guys, I hated it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So then we find out in a flashback that the reason she's beat the fuck up is because she and Mark left the hotel together. She's She is, from the very beginning, been more into Mark than she is Carl. 
She's more into Mark the married one, A, because she's always talking about people want what they can't have. But then she tries to make us believe it's because he's more attached and she knows that he knows what this is, even though all of her actions throughout the book and all of the way that her feelings progress and the way she processes those feelings Mm -hmm. are very much like, because I'm a woman, I can't keep a handle on the way that I experience romantic love, essentially. And it's gross. Mm -hmm. But she mostly prefers Mark because she connects with him on a more intellectual level. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they leave, they go out to the parking lot. And Mark is like, I've been competing with my brother all night. I want you to myself now. And so then they start making out and they super bang in a rainstorm on top of someone else's car. Use your own car. Bang on the hood of your car. Yeah. Not a bystander's car. They set off that car alarm, too. They set off a car alarm in the pouring rain. And then basically, they both come so hard that they fall on the ground. They slip and fall and bam. But I think the other reason, like... It's one thing to have an ancestral relationship on the page, right? I think personally that there are a lot of romance authors who could write twin fucking and I would be totally into it. Good to go. And her name is Grace Goodwin? Well, (laughs) actually, yes. You did read that book. (laughs) But Rebecca Weatherspoon, Katie Robert, Sierra Simone, there are a bunch of erotica romance authors that i would read this and like love it to pieces right but in this book it was another feeling of absolute uncertainty and delving into like an unsafe reading experience because these two brothers loathe each other right they compete with each other constantly they always try to get the upper hand they tell her not to come for the other one it creates a very awkward situation for i would think a very awkward situation for her yeah And it's fucking weird. And so, like, it's not even as if these brothers have any sort of camaraderie that could translate into a positive, sensual experience. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it just felt yuck. I have to talk about this passage that upset me so much I had to put down the book and walk away. And I'm very aware of being a white woman in this situation. But I felt weird being so offended by this and feeling that it was so exploitative as mm-hmm. a white person reading the words of a black author. But I, I felt like there okay. were a lot of times where this author used images of slavery, like phrases like oh. beat somebody like a slave or like right. images like Holocaust images. It happened so much in this book. Throughout extremely violent images for shock value like not Mm. not for any it's not i can i'll read it to you but i can see where this could be appropriate in some book for a reason but i think okay i think these sorts of things need to be need to be used for reasons and not you think that they should achieve something it has to be earned and then it has to pay off and it has to there has to be a reason i think what he's doing is just using these like very shocking images i i don't i don't even know why and that's the problem and it it, okay. it was like extremely upsetting so all right here it is he pumped me hard relentlessly like he was uh-huh. trying to make kunta kente oh. call himself toby uh. 
I held on to him as he bucked into me over and over, over. All I could do was hold on and let my wild mandingo fuck me insane. Yeah. It, it was so, it was so viscerally disturbing to me that that was just like inserted into this. This is what I'm saying. And for what reason and for what tie in and for what, uh, for what? Like, I, I don't like, know what. I don't know why. Think, I had to put it down and walk away for a while. Like, I, I was so upset by that. Yes, because think about, think about what happened in Roots to make. Kunta Kinte accept the name Toby. Do you remember that? Yes, I it know. Involves, That's what I'm saying. Um, I mean, I, it's like physical abuse and starvation and like systematic horror. And I think what she, he's specifically alluding to is the whipping. And I, yeah, um, it 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 upset me so much, and it felt there there was no like larger theme or reason or at least none that i got to to say that in that moment it, it meant no it i meant nothing it made no sense to me it, it, there was <sighs> slavery is used in oh yeah like, I've, images yeah, of slavery are used so much and in sexual passages specifically but not for and that could be okay i think in a certain circumstance where it's like tied into something bigger and it's making a larger point but it's not it's not yeah but but that's the thing aaron i think it is it's just not the point we look for or celebrate or are used to i think it is i think it it's tied in to this cautionary tale of women taking charge of what they want sexually. I think it there is a larger theme. Oh I think God, it's Melanie, just like, fucking that awful. That me so deeply. <laughs> it upsets I, me so much that that's the I point know. he's trying to make. I I was coming I was coming from the the perspective that this was pointless and he was just using it for like shock value or I something. I wish it was. Which grossed me out, but you know, you might be right. I she talks so much about how yeah. she is a slave to her female experience. Mm -hmm. She talks so much about how once you have sex, feelings get involved and you are no longer in charge of your own faculties. Like you cannot manifest your own destiny after that. When men penetrate women, like I think there is a theme. I think we just hate it and it is damaging. Like, that's again i don't want to yuck anyone's yum because i understand that there are things i cannot understand and you know shit that will never get me off that get other people off and that's great it just feels to me incredibly icky that this man is coming into erotica and introducing people to erotica with overarching themes that attempting to seek your own pleasure is going to damage and enslave you in a way that that you're going to be irreparable afterwards you know like in irreparable ways i mm. no that just really bummed me out like i'm, I'm so sorry out. but I'm so i think i'm right out. not that i wasn't already pretty bummed out but man i'm sorry i think i'm right and email me. I would love to talk to somebody about this from another perspective because I cannot see past my own interpretation. 
This episode is such a bummer. Do you want to keep going or do you want to cut it short right now? Honestly, I'm having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) But my worry is, are we traumatizing listener by keeping listener here? You know what, Erin? Here's the thing. I trust listener. If this is traumatizing, I trust listener to turn it off. Listener, uh, turn off. Turn Turn off if you want to. I have to talk about this book. I have to. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. This book traumatized me and I have to get it out. I have to expel this bullshit from my soul. Yeah, I just I ugh, I just I just really want our show to be a safe space. And like if that line traumatized me, I can't imagine somebody else who had a different experience than me on this earth. Like I just I oh god, it's so Okay, I also shit. I also want our show to be a safe space. I again I can't see past my own bullshit I feel like I am talking about this in as as safe a way as I can given the 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 text you know what I mean yeah I'm trying and so I'm gonna put big trigger warnings on the front okay so okay all right I mean or we can stop but I have to talk about chocolate starfishes more (laughs) (laughs) okay all right (laughs) Okay, so then, okay, wait, okay, so then next, you guys, talk about taking a completely mundane, wonderful, celebratory experience and turning it fucking violent and scary. The next thing that happens is that the next chapter opens up and I think she's being chased in some scary nightmare by a a battalioned mythical creature that wants, that's like hunting her for her blood. Like, it talks about this she who is behind her wielding a blade and she's an evil and heifer. puffing an evil heifer question mark there's, there's a fair amount puffing. of fat shaming in this there's book a as metric well. fuck ton of fat shaming in this book and it mostly is between mother and daughter so she like is huffing and puffing up this thing six pages later i swear to god it's at least six pages later we find out that she's just exercising with her mom she and yeah, her mom they're just, are just racing running up, a up the side of a mountain Yep. It's the most fun, beautiful experience. And he turns it into this horror scene. And then the fat shaming begins. There's one thing I have to say about her mom real quick. Yes. And that is that her name is something something Bijou. Like, I think Nia's whole name is Nia Simone Bijou, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. And Bijou is a character in one of a nice nin's short stories called elena Ah. do you remember in this book how she always talks about like like during this trip actually with her mom because her mom visits for the weekend she talks about thinking about asking her mom whether or not she experiences sexual urges that are like overwhelming like because when she's on this walk with her mom it starts with a really scary scene where her mom is wielding a blade just because she's scared of bears or something. Mm -hmm. And then it turns into like other stuff where she can't get the twins out of her brain. And so throughout this, she's thinking to herself almost as if like, should I ask my mom if this is like a trait that's passed down from mother to daughter, blah, 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 right? Yeah, So in Elena, uh, the title character Elena has a threesome with a lesbian called Layla and then a sex worker called Bijou. And this is how a nice nin describes Bijou. I'm just going to pull two little lines. Bijou, who was the whore of whores. Neat. The next line is, 
Bijou, the sex organ walking undisguised. Hmm. So I think that Eric Jerome Dickey is creating the illusion that Nia is descended from this long line of like ultra horny whore of whores. You know what I mean? Like, you're, I think you're still muted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm muted because these dogs are going crazy. I almost got to see what's going on. I know. They seem to be done. Yeah. So that's my theory is that her mom's name, her mom's last name is Bijou mm-hmm. because he is implying that that is their heritage. I have something to say here that has nothing to do with us railing against this book, but I do think it is important. Please. Bing, boom, bong, bear safety with Aaron. <laughs> First of all, you're not going to find a lot of bears in Atlanta. Yeah. However, Nia's mom is running up the side of this mountain yep. carrying some kind of like eight inch knife. Eight inch knife. And she's like, oh, well, if a bear attacks me, I'm not the only one they're going to find dead because I guess she's going to stab a bear to death. Yeah. You're not going to stab a bear to death. It's not, not. going to happen. But if you're running up a mountain, don't run anywhere with an unsheathed knife. Yeah, you're more apt to trip and fall and stab yourself real bad. Yeah, the way you're going to die is a self-inflicted stab wound because you tripped Correct. over a wa- rock and you stabbed yourself. Don't do that. That's not bear safety. Don't yeah. run around with a knife. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so while on this run, right after she talks about this bear... It says, as we walked around the narrow trail, once again, my imagination took over. And for a moment, I saw Carl and Mark. They had me against a tree, both touching my body, both kissing my flesh, pleasing me. I was sandwiched between them, one deep inside my yoni and the other sodomizing me. I saw pain and pleasure on my face. Like, so this is just one of the other times where the imagery that is created is one of amorality and criminality because the only time the word sodomy is used is when talking about like sodomy laws and how homosexuality was illegal for a long time and not only homosexuality but just like anything that wasn't penis in vagina sex right but it's used most to vilify the gay community in many different ways okay so that's just one of the the ways that this is gross in this scene. Right. That's an image that creates the idea that Nia is a lawbreaker or she's bad. Then the next thing that happens is we hiked for half a mile before we stopped to catch our breath. I uh, went to an ancient tree, gave my attention to a huge black caterpillar trekking across moss. The caterpillar looked like a moving penis. I wondered what it would be like to feel Carl inside of me, to feel him, to feel him moving across my fleshy fold, opening me at an unhurried pace, moving like that caterpillar, easing deeper and deeper, a little at a time. Yeah, sweet torture. So hi, you're on a hike with your mom. You're on a hike with your mom. Just hike. But also, why do we have to bring bugs into this? Yeah, why is it so hairy? Why is it a hairy caterpillar? Why, why caterpillar? Why, why? why? <laughs> yeah. All right. Also, 
Eric Jerome Dickey is somebody who has written stuff for Hollywood. Yeah. Like, he has written things for, like, X-Men and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's written graphic novels. Yes. And he's written, he's screenwritten things, I believe, uh-huh. as well. Is this how Hollywood works? Your daughter mentions to you that she wants to write <laughs> a science fiction book where there are too many men. No, where there are too many women on Earth and not yep. enough men because of aliens. And then you say to her, what if there were too many men and not enough women and they competed like gladiators for the women? For the yoni. And she's like... And then they yeah, talk about the old Yoni and young And young yoni. yoni. Yes, there's some like weird age shaming there. Yeah. Anyway, and she's like, what if you wrote that book? And Mia's like, yeah, that's a great idea for a book. And then Mia never works on this book the entire time we're reading. Like there's never <laughs> a time where she's like, and then I sat down and did write the science fiction book I've been talking right. about. But then mom goes to Will Smith, Angela Bassett, Denzel. Denzel, of course. Don Cheadle. And for some reason, Leo DiCaprio. Yeah. And then, and it's like, I told them about the book um, and how you're writing it and how, um, and you know what? Also, earlier in this book, she talks about how she would do it for for Hollywood, but she couldn't cast any black actresses in it. Remember that? She was like, yeah. no, this has to be Charlize Theron or somebody else. And then, But then she reaches yeah. out to Angela Bassett about it. But anyway, then she reaches out to actors. And then actors yeah. are like, oh, yeah, it sounds like a great novel. That's not a thing. That's not how it works. That that's can't not, be how. That's not. That's not how any of this works. works. Anyway, that's <sighs> not even written. That's not even written. It's not even yeah. a screenplay. Mm-hmm. I anyway. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. I also her mother is a bazillionaire, right? Like mm-hmm. she's like Forbes 100 or whatever. They take this opportunity, this breakfast after the hike for the mom to be like, I think it's time that we open a business back in Trinidad. Something oh, yeah. small, like a coffee shop. I just want to contribute to Trinidad because Trinidad's so important to me. And it's like, uh, you're a fucking bazillionaire. Right. And just now it occurred to you that you want to do something back in Trinidad and the thing you want to do is a fucking coffee shop? Uh, Fuck yeah. right off. Yeah, the thing really? you want to do is a for-profit coffee yeah. shop? All these overtures about colonization and the people of Trinidad and the culture. And you guys wouldn't believe the detail this book goes into about Trinidad and how beautiful and important and, you know, like just all of these things. And their contribution to this as billionaires is going to be a fucking coffee shop, you guys. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Whatevs. So... Yeah, can I just say, I'm sorry, I came across this right now because she's talking to the twins about what she does. What? Yeah. He won't even say breakfast. She says she broke her fast with her mother. Just say breakfast, Eric. Say say they went to fucking brunch. They went to brunch, you asshole. We went to brunch. We broke our fasts. I fucking hate it. Okay. (laughs) So then, okay. So it said they're talking about her ghostwriting or whatever, and she describes it as this. Mostly been getting contracts to do smut. You know, sexy bathtub masturbation books. Erotic Mm. books with weak plots and soft endings. Yep. Go fuck yourself into oblivion. Yep. 
okay, so now we have to go. We're going to Greensboro, I think. Yeah. And Carl has invited her to Greensboro. They drive there. They like, they like, Can I just say, I urged where they were going to go to Greensboro to meet his client. And so this yeah. whole road trip, I was just like, where are going? <laughs> what are you doing? Why so far? Like, first they were driving through Atlanta. And then, you know, and we know every road. He talks every about every stop fucking sign, stop Every light. turn, every bumper sticker they encounter. <laughs> and I'm just like, why far? Why yeah. 16 miles out of Atlanta? Where are uh-huh. going? Who meeting? I was so confused. Anyway. Yeah, because Carl is a photographer and he mostly does erotic photo shoots. Mm-hmm. They're meeting a lady who wants to have sexy photos taken. She sees an advertisement for this club trapeze in yeah. his that's like a sex club where you can do as little or as much as you want. And he took the yeah. photos of all the sex ladies for trapeze. Yes. <sighs> all right. So they do a lot of like fellatio and uh, him fingering her so on the way much, like a lot so of it much fingering and nobody gets to come and and uh-huh. she never thinks to herself i'm just gonna come now no I'm she's always like oh that. i have to hold back i have to hold back and it's like why Don't. you're capable of multiple orgasms does eric jerome dickie not know that no he talks about how she's capable of multiple orgasms and then he never gives her any <laughs> god also this okay. is where she finds out that mark's wife is a local television oh newscaster named and he jewel. vilifies her so hard yeah. jewel stewart who is nicknamed the jewel of the south can you Which imagine a situation where a, new- a local atlanta newscaster <laughs> is nicknamed the jewel of the south Absolutely I would not. boycott that station. Um, but Carl clearly hates her. He calls her Little Miss Pussy Controller. Oh, wow. And she, like, the way... Oh, my God. We have to talk about that that climactic scene later on because it is mm-hmm. a fucking mess. Yeah, and about the way an hour that she, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way that she vilifies this wife is yes. just insane. She sees a picture. She says, I stared in the eyes of the woman who had Mark in a horrible marriage. And it's like, well, Mark's currently sleeping with you. You have no idea who's the villain in this marriage. Yeah. she. You have no idea if she has a horrible marriage. He told her you that they that. don't have sex very much. But that does but, not mean somebody has a horrible marriage. But it also it also doesn't mean that that's true. Or her fault. Or her fault. Like it, it, it may uh, be that she wants to have sex with Mark every night, but he's stepping out with random ladies he's meeting at the W. Sure. And that's why he's only having sex with his wife four times a year. Uh, <sighs> okay. All right. So, okay. And this is also like th- his, his cock is always referred to as a blessing on this fucking mm-hmm. road trip. Hey, Aaron, when you have ever been in a sexy situation... Have your breasts ever felt heavy and filled with desire? Uh, no. no I'm going to say not a single time. I'm going to say no. never. They've uh-uh. never felt. It almost makes me think of Mean Girls when she's like, my boobs can tell if it's raining. <laughs> she like yes. grabs her boobs. Mm-hmm. And she's like, mm, filled with desire. Okay. Someone who was breastfeeding recently told me that when their boobs I filled have up told with you milk. This. No, this is no. This is my other friend. I know that it is because I know who was with us. That I'm just it saying. Felt like I her, have also told you this that her boobs had to pee. You didn't tell me that. <laughs> that was my I told other you, friend. I have told you about like the deluge fielding. Sure, but like specifically, okay, that your I've boobs never have to said pee. 
It's like a whole different imagery for me that like freaked me out to my core. And I never (laughs) want to have anything to do with, oh, no, my boobs have to pee. Sorry. That's a small tangent in a four hour podcast. Moving on. Okay. You want to hear everything I hate in this book in one passage? Sure. Oh, I'm sorry. We can't. We can't do this yet. We have to talk about how when they stop first. I'm sorry. We got to go to rug shop first. Yeah, we got to go to the rug warehouse first. Rug warehouse was um besides Kunta Kinte the worst it part. It was so triggering for me, me of it this was, book. Wow. I I had already put de- put it down and walked away one time because mm-hmm, I just couldn't mm-hmm. stomach it. This Yeah. And I think that I probably couldn't stomach it for like a different reason than you. But okay. let's find out. Let's bring it. Bring it. So he takes her into this rug store thing and they go upstairs to this like disused, never cleaned bathroom. Yes. And then like they're up against a wall at first, I think. And then she like puts his penis on her opening. But also his penis is girthier than his his brother. Mark's yeah. penis is long to, and his is girthy. And it's like they are identical twins. They're identical though. What did happen to make How? one penis more girthy? <laughs> what did happen? <laughs> Weirds me out. I don't anyway. know. Yep. Okay. So, okay. So this is when the burglarized thing happens. Because she's like, yeah. she's like up on the walls and she's holding up so that she doesn't fall down. And then he does penetrate her. And then he sits down on this just gaping toilet. Yes. This gaping, never cleaned, disgusting, basically truck stop toilet. Yes. And so they're like doing it. She's riding him. And then he takes out his phone and he calls his brother. And he makes her talk to him and, mm-hmm. like, tell him what they're doing. This is the first time that Mark is getting inside her, okay? They've mm-hmm. had a many orals and a fingers. Yes, this Carl, is Carl. Sorry. Mark was inside her in the parking lot. Carl, this is his uh, first time with her as far as penetration of penis into vagina goes. Mm-hmm. So she's talking to Mark. And then, like, she hangs up because she is weird about it. She feels weird about it, which, like, same, same, friendo. Yeah, yeah. And then a man comes and is like, I'm about to lose it out here. I have to, I gotta shit. I gotta do the thing. I gotta use that toilet. I have IBS. And I'm about to explode. He knocks and they say somebody's in here. And he (laughs) says, okay, take your time. I'm sorry. Sure. Because he's a polite because nice man yeah he's just Hashtag a dude who needs shit justice for elderly man in rug shop <laughs> so, anyway keep going so then she's like trying to stifle her moans and then she does one of the grossest things i've ever read in a book forever mm-hmm. and that is that because she cannot she cannot stifle her i'm sure either voluptuous or sing song Moans. Oh yeah, sing song. Because sing song happens twenty five times at a minimum. It's because of the Trinidad accent that she does not have oh. that he's alluding to. No, it, but it is though because he it keeps is, you're right. saying the sing song Trinidad accent, and then her orgasms are sing song. And so I think the idea is that her orgasms are like from her Homeland. ancestors or something. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I, anyway. What so else? in order to c- cover the moan sounds, mm-hmm. she 
flushes that public, gaping, no lid on it toilet. Yes. Over and over. It says over and over mm-hmm. and, and over. Does, yeah. She and does do over that. She again. does do that. And all of the bacteria and the fecal particles that have lived in that toilet for the past 15 years just bathe her yoni and his mm-hmm. lingam and her her fucking mucous membrane just gets covered in historical shit from this toilet. Yes. And then nobody comes because no. the dude knocks again and he's like, I'm about to have a problem out here. Yes. And so she jumps off of him. Carl. He keeps trying to sudden, pull her down. He's pulling her down on his penis. And she like writes her clothing and escapes. She goes past this poor bystander and in from the men's room. And then she goes past this other person who's with him. Maybe like his wife or something. It's like an older lady. I don't remember. And then like she goes down the stairs and this is when it says. So after this flushing of a toilet bullshit, it says I moved ahead of Carl motivated by the mean look in his eyes. He hurried after me. The darkness in his beautiful eyes saying if he caught me, he would fuck me on the dingy tile floors in the lobby of the rug warehouse. He would fuck me, then grab my hair and drag me back inside and fuck and sodomize me on each of the 50,000 rugs, would abuse me until my body was covered in rug burns, hands over my top, hands over my top to stop my breast from bouncing. I ran hard, laughing. Unfulfilled desire motivated his chase while blue balls slowed his stride. He could have caught me if he wanted to, could have caught me the way a parent caught a child. But he let me stay just out of reach every now and then speeding up like he wanted to capture me and make me his P.O.W. Each time he sped up, I jogged a few feet laughing, refusing to be trapped. He chased me because that was the way it was designed. The sperm always chased the egg. In that one passage, we've got violence in his we've main got children. Look. We've, we've got, got children. Sexual we've got violence. Illegality with sodomizing. Yep. We've got sexual violence with the abusing me. We've got we've got POWs. POWs. Come on. And then and then we've got gender essentialism with the sperm always chases the egg. I mean blue balls as well. Like And then also blue balls just feels crass and why. I um like as mm. if a man with blue balls can't control himself and will will commit some sort of sexual violence in order to achieve release. I like I that one passage, Aaron, it has everything well i melody have a new hard limit to add (laughs) if you recall i have articulated four hard limits throughout the life of the show yes one is masquerade masks during (laughs) sex one is having sex against a window in a skyscraper um from behind so that Uh you are facing out to your imminent doom um, one is food in the sheets 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've heard that. I'm now not remembering the fourth, but there is a fourth one as well. I don't remember (laughs) what it is in this moment. Um, But the fifth is now Uh sex that inconveniences the elderly. (laughs) (laughs) There was so much going on in this scene with the toilet flushing and the disgusting bathroom and the him, her trying to get away and him like forcing her. I mean, we kind of brushed over this, but she is actively trying to get off of him and he is actively forcing her down on him. Yeah. Um, in a very not super consensual way. In a very way. I revoked consent. Um, the, the phone call with the brother. I mean, there's there's a lot of hard limits to be had here. Yeah. All I could think about <laughs> was that poor old man outside. That it's like he didn't ask for this. You no. know, like it's just what they did was just mean. He's and, like, just holding to each other so hard. Whatever horrible shit you want to do to each other yeah but don't bring the elderly don't, into don't, this don't it do really that upset me <laughs> i can't remember my other hard limit <laughs> but i think this is number five wow anyway. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah okay now i feel like there's a lot that happens mm. well wait no i have to do another segment bing boom okay. <laughs> bing boom bong. She casually mentions in the car, um, do you know where I can find some paramethoxyamphetamines? Oh. Did you notice that? I forgot about this. I have wiped it from my memory. They're just joking around. He says, like, Logan calls and she's like, um, this jerk in Memphis, blah, blah, blah. And they're laughing and she's like, do you know where I could find some paramethoxyamphetamines? Because I'm, like, really depressed or whatever. Which is, like... Just don't. Who says that? First of all, just say PMA or PM what or is? whatever. What it is, is so. <laughs> there's there's MDMA, which is ecstasy, and then there's yeah. PM or PMA, which is paramethoxyamphetamines. Okay, and it's like it's a similar. It's in the same family, but okay. it's a much more lethal version of MDMA. Oh. And often uh, PMA is sold as MDMA, and so people will pop one or two when they should really take a lot less and accidentally oh, no. die it happens very often or people who are manufacturing drugs will make them together in one pill like ooh this is MDMA and PMA like oh, da, da, da. No. and the interaction kills people it's very it's a very dangerous drug and it's not ecstasy not that ecstasy is not a dangerous drug cuz it is um but the lethality sure, but is much higher dangerous and it's just one of the it's just like a designer i i don't know the the casual mention of just like dangerous drug use was very weird to me and well, for and to like spell out the scientific like name for it instead of just like who who in the world would say that instead of either the the abbreviation or whatever street name you know all i know is that when i go to the raves i definitely approach people and i say do you have any of that methylenidioxymethamphetamine <laughs> right like who does that what is that i say personally and you do that because you're an intellectual i'm so smart erin you don't want to debase your language i how did i would never they're like from what i hear it's better than ecstasy and it's like don't no yeah don't don't, do that don't don't put that out to the masses yeah please don't do drugs, HBs. So um they meet carl's photography client she hates her on site because she's beautiful Um, And she feels very, Mm -hmm. very threatened. And then she's like, why am I having all these feelings of jealousy? As if jealousy isn't 
a completely universal human emotion. Mm-hmm. Instead, she says, for a woman, the need for love moved us into the realms of sex, took us where we felt good, where we felt special, where we bared ourselves and each moan was a mo- moan of trust. Each moan was asking that we not be betrayed. As if that mm-hmm. is a purely female experience. Right. And we also skipped over where they like share bad sexual experiences. And he talks about this lady he made come so hard she like oh shit God. herself. And like this other lady who was real yeah. stinky because she didn't shave her bush enough. They do. A, he always, he's a, why does he make everything gross? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so she hates her. They do the photo shoot. Oh, the, God. The, she hates her right up until she starts like complimenting her beauty. Like she hates her, hates her, hates her hates Kiki Sunshine, and then Kiki's like, you're really pretty. And she's like, me? Pretty? Maybe she's all right. Yeah, she also doesn't like Kiki until she believes that she is superior to Kiki Sunshine in every way. She talks at length about how Kiki Sunshine is not money smart because she has really nice things in her apartment, but she doesn't own a house. As if, like, things, as if external factors like bad credit doesn't exist, as mm-hmm. if it it has nothing to do, perhaps, with her intellect and maybe a lot more to do with systemic issues. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about how Kiki Sunshine likes NASCAR and so does Carl. Yeah. And I feel like that is another commentary it's on another like dig. Carl is like the tattooed dumb yep. twin and yep. Kiki Sunshine is not smart. So they appreciate something like NASCAR. Yep. Oh, and then... The misogyny that's just woven in while they're in the car at various points in this novel, they talk twice about very specific comedians who are male. Mm -hmm. One of them is a comedian who's doing a very specific bit about OJ. And then Mm -hmm. yet the one time this motherfucker mentions a female comedian, it says on satellite, another black female comedian was on. At some point, they all started to sound the same, all of their jokes having the same rhythm and subject matter. This one loud and doing a routine about fucking white men. So Mm -hmm. it's a very, very small, mundane, like you would just read past it situation. But the fact that two other male comedians get names and specific bits and she talks Mm -hmm. about how funny they are and yet this this black female comedian is just one of a hundred who all sound the same and they're just loud and all they do is yeah. make dick jokes. I just want to strangle him. Yeah. That's all. That's all. Women are funny. Not right now. Not in this not right particular now. episode. Not right now. <laughs> but I would ask you to go back into our other episodes because we are fucking hilarious. Kiki Sunshine. <laughs> you asshole. Kiki Sunshine takes off her clothes for this yeah. photo shoot like oh too God, early yeah. and then walks around the forest naked a lot. You know where uh-huh. I'm going? Yeah. And they're like, you didn't have to take off your clothes so early. And uh-huh. she's like, I didn't want to get my clothes too dirty. You know why? Yeah. You know where why? she got them? Dolly, Dolly, Dolly. Dillard's. Dillard's. <laughs> <laughs> got them from Dillard's. <laughs> like that fancy vampire Bill like Compton. That hot vampire with his pleated duckers and his green golf shirts. Dillard's. Uh, that's the real jewel of the South. 
<laughs> we're being, if we're being honest. Dillards. <laughs> Dillards. So I, I'm, I'm trying to speed us up here a little bit because yeah, we've got to go. Please speed us up. So Kiki mentions that she's had sex with women and that she'd like to have sex with what's her face. They go, Nia, they go back to. Um, but she also super no homos as well. She's yeah. like. She's not a lesbian. But she does she, like sex. She's with women. never gone down. Like the only lover she's had, it only ever pleased her or something like that, which ends yeah. up being an absolute lie for no reason other than mm-hmm. to, I guess, like trick Nia into being more comfortable because she's super homophobic, and Kiki yeah. Sunshine can see that on her face. Like I don't know. I don't know. So Nia and Carl have some like forest sex that um, she realizes that uh, Kiki is watching. And then after that, she's like, okay, now I can be good with Kiki because like I'm the one that had sex with Carl. So I'm not yeah. like more threatened. She does her. it to assert dominance yes. because she doesn't and want then, Carl to like think Kiki's hot or whatever. Right. So then they go back to Kiki's house and hang out for a little bit. Um, This is the time where Kiki's like, I'm Brazilian, but I don't really know a lot about Brazil. And my mom didn't really like Brazil. So she never took me back there. And Nia like Brazil splains um, (laughs) her home country to her her country of uh, familial origin. Well, and also Nia is always like, well, if she's from there, then like that's where I think she's from. Whereas, like, yes. Nia, just because that's your perspective doesn't mean it's the right one. Maybe she identifies more. And, and Kiki says this. She's like, I identify more with America. My mom didn't want to take me back there because she had some bad shit happen to her. She didn't yeah. want to teach me about Brazil. And that is a perfectly fine perspective to have. And Nia. she tries to tell her because she's from this certain place and she lived in this certain kind of community and she didn't have, you know, right. it was kind of like a poor community and stuff. And I don't remember the the name of the uh, community, but like she pronounces it wrong and yeah. Nia corrects her and then is like, actually, like it's very like, mm, actually, it's a very vibrant culture and maybe you should like go back and really understand your roots. And it's like mm-hmm. kind of offensive to Nia that it was just like very... Uh, Kiki Sunshine has her so own judgy. experience and can identify as an American who does not want to go back to Brazil if she sure. wants to. Yeah, leave her alone. Yeah. She can she can live her own life, man. Like you do not have to do this. It really it, yeah, upset me. it doesn't it doesn't make you any fucking better. Like I'm really yes. glad that you appreciate your heritage so much that you want to o- open a for-profit coffee shop there. Um <laughs> however, Kiki doesn't feel the same way, and that's yeah, fine. She that's gets fine. to have her own perspective and her own story. Yeah. Well, but don't <sighs> don't worry because Nia powers of correction <sighs> are wide as they are deep. You know, she's yeah. Mark and Carl, long <laughs> and girthy when it comes to pretentious corrections. Long <laughs> and girthy. <laughs> so when she leaves, when they leave, Kiki slips a note to her that says she wants to pleasure her sometime Mm -hmm. so then when when carl and nia get back to the hotel nia says she wants to go on a run at least 10 miles you guys she's so athletic and she wants to go run in the direction of kiki's apartment so she does she ends up at kiki's apartment they do do lady sex and it's very shameful for Nia. wait can i read a section of it yes because it made me so mad Okay, so they're they're full they're full on doing it, okay? They're having full on sex. And it says Nia felt her happiness harden her clitoris, and at the same time her moans released her deep rooted pain 
and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. She moaned and every sound made sense to me. And in between her moans, I felt her thoughts, thoughts that told of her search for love, for a husband, for children, for family, and how that quest had left her disappointed and afraid. Mm -hmm. I felt emotional. I understood her and became emotional. Like, is there an erotica Bechtel test? Does does he have to bring a man into every sexual experience? <laughs> like, th- this is just two ladies licking on each other's clits. Let him do that. And God damn I, it. Just, may I ask, as a straight woman who sure. uh, it's been well documented on the podcast, can't go yeah. down there even, <laughs> even if she tried. Yeah. Do women ever just bash vulvas like this? for for part of the sexual experience they just bash their vulvas together and it didn't seem good listen he was trying to describe scissoring but he did it terribly he did it bad because they were just (laughs) ramming them up against each other i just didn't understand because i do i do have one sure i don't have two right but i but just the knowledge of my one, I just didn't feel like that would feel great. Yeah, he sort me. of, again, it's a dude writing erotica, and he described scissoring as two ladies batter, battering ramming, battery ramming, battering ramming. I think batter <laughs> ramming. Batter ramming would work. Oh, no. He would fillet <laughs> us. If Nia were here, can you imagine? Oh, just like, it's batter ramming. so fucking pissed. In fact, Nia. battering rams were created in 1450-something by right. this culture. Right. And it was it was like six years before they coined the term queefing. So, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, this is the other... But she's Come just on. talking about, like, Kiki Sunshine is talking about some guy she had sex with where she had a lot of, quote, pussy farts. Right. And uh, Nia is like, it's called queefing. It's and queefing. we're being very vulgar. And yeah. I'd appreciate it if you'd watch your language. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the passage I pulled from this. Um, all sorts of thoughts went through my head. What if she told someone? This is not a thought that went in her head when she was having sex with identical twins. Yeah. What if she told someone? Yeah. Women. Women were territorial and vindictive and possessive. Women were emotional. I was emotional. I wanted this favor, but I didn't want her love. Not the way I wanted it from a man. Mm-hmm. I had heard it was different with a bi woman, but a lesbian would claim you the same as a man. Oh. What does it mean? Okay, listen. So uh, I'm so mad about this. In Elena, she talks about, so in that passage I read you earlier about Bijou, mm-hmm. she describes all three women who are engaged in this threesome. And for Bijou, she says, like, she's the whore of whores. She's a walking um, walking vulva, undisguised or whatever. For Elena, oh, God, it's so gross. Elena pined to be raped anew each day without regard to her feelings. Oof. And then for Layla, who is the lesbian, it says... Layla alone was satisfied to be born free of man's tyranny, to be free of man because she's a lesbian. But she did not realize that imitating man was not being free of him. And so what he's saying is lesbians will claim you because lesbians are imitating men. Men. How dare everyone? Not everything Mm -hmm. is about the fucking phallus. (sighs) 
All right. Can we just like wrap this up? Can we just be like, this is what happens and then sure. it'd be done? Because yeah, I could it. easily do another two hours on the rest of this. Same. She goes back to the hotel. Mark shows up. Yep. The married one. She has sex with Mark a little bit while Carl then goes and has sex with Kiki. She gets mad at Carl for having sex with Kiki, even though that's what she just did. And Mark gets mad at her because she doesn't know he's Mark, even though he doesn't have any tattoos. Right. <laughs> then everybody shows up, including Kiki, and they have a group sex situation with like blindfolds that's very jealousy ridden in every direction. It's awful. Then, yeah. then Mark and Carl do DP uh, Nia. It's her first yeah. anal experience. A lot of chocolate starfish there. Tons of chocolate starfish. More star uh, starfish than you can handle. More then, chocolate than you can handle, too. Then they go back to <laughs> Kiki's house. Then they Oh, wait, do no. More... And then she gets mad that they DP Kiki. And she's like, yes. it was a test. I now know that I'm exactly the same to both Mark and Carl because I wasn't the special one who was the only one to benefit from the DP. Meanwhile, Carl and Mark apparently DP ladies like all the time. They've told it's, her about like five ladies. It's their sexual method. Yes, they love it. It is their kink. The way these two prefer to have sex is together, preferably DP. Also while angry at each other. Fucking livid hate each other um so then they go back to kiki's house which is just pier one pottery barn come on crate and barrel they have more group sex at one point we get a dream where nia's mom walks in which is a lot why we also get this nightmare with logan where he's like masturbating and then like his cum is like filling up a room and it's like getting on her shoes and then all of the sperms are yelling at her it's a lot so then Um, she drives home. She agrees to have lunch with ex-boyfriend Logan for no reason. No she reason goes at all. him into calling her a whore. Actually, and then it's like the worst thing that's ever happened to her. It's really scary, though, because right before that, Kiki Sunshine talks to her about this ex-Logan. And she's like, he might just need to get one more fuck in. A lot of men won't give up unless you give them that one last time. And uh-huh. it, it says that. And then it says, I agreed to have lunch with Logan. And I was like, oh, my God, do we have we to watch a Are we going to have to read about this? Yes. And so my lizard brain was on fire the whole time. Yes. Oh, and then so she keeps being like, what do you think of me? What do you think of me? What do you th- honestly think of me? And he's yeah. like, I think you're a whore. I think you're a pro bono whore. You know? And then she's like, how dare for like 25 pages. Yeah. Ah. Because that's the worst thing you can call somebody. Yeah. That's the worst thing a woman can be. Oh, um, okay, just, so then she has sex in a bathtub with Carl. My only note here was that Carl does have a bathtub that can fit to resand. <laughs> Carl managed it. Resand. <laughs> then she again has sex with both Mark and Carl. Oh, because Mark just like his spy- his twin spidey senses go off and he just shows he the just fuck shows up. up. Carl is deep dick in her doggy style and then she hears like the front door open and then she hears the elevator because they've got these mcmansions and then mark shows up and she's immediately like get over here and let me give you a sloppy bj Mm -hmm. and then he leaves and he tells her not to come for carl and she in front of carl says i'm sorry baby I can't stop myself from coming for your brother. And I'm mm-hmm. like, justice for Carl now? Question mark? Yeah, I'm I don't so know. I'm so confused. Everything feels so yucky. So then he leaves. She sends Mark oh. a text. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. It's just one other time when she looks at Logan and she says, your, co- your sex was commercial, never literary, 
too predictable to ever become mythical. Fuck yeah. you and your hatred of genre literature. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Um, okay. She sends Mark a text that's basically like, I've loved how much sex we've had over the past no, few weeks. No, she says, I love licking your lingam, Aaron. Oh, she uses yeah. the word lingam, which I hate. Yeah. Why do I hate yeah. that now? Um, and then she gets a text back from Mark that says, meet me at a coffee shop tomorrow and we'll have some nice coffee dates. Yes. But then when she gets to and the coffee shop. Dun, dun, dun. Hey, Aaron, did you feel like this was, I don't know, uh, what's the word for it? Oh, I think it's predictable. Extremely predictable. Did you yes. think it was predictable? Yes. It is wow. the jewel of the South that walks in. <laughs> she calls oh. her a bitch. Mia cannot believe that this woman has... The, she says, I cannot believe she has the audacity to confront me. She calls her evil. She, she says she's yes. evil. She says she's aloof. I mean, it... She has the audacity to confront me. Yeah. It's incredible. The level of I've done nothing wrong in this is just unbelievable and then um the jewel of the south spits in her face does spit in her face and she is over the top mad about yeah. this yeah Here's she's thing, like you guys, crying i am i'm like there's uh, in my humble opinion right it's wrong to sleep with a married person right but it's more wrong to be the married person because it's your responsibility to take care of your relationship sure but at the same time hi everyone if i sleep with a married person i feel like i can't throw stones if they get pissed off no. and spit in my face you can't you can't be mad at her like, for coming why? at you i feel like yeah. you have no moral ground to stand on None. and it's another one of those ways in which he undermines the heroine and shows how amoral and how how wrong her compass is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like undermines all of her choices by doing shit like this and by allowing her to try to justify it to our faces. Okay. So anyway, then he's like, I called Mark and Mark told me that he'd be right there to wait for me at this deep fry fish place. I can't remember the name of the establishment, but it was very specific. Yes. So she does wait outside of that deep fry fish place. And then she says, um... The next passage is, or maybe it's the next chapter, it says, I drove home with him following me. Yeah. It's so careful that it became completely predictable. Yes. That it was no longer you. Mark, but Carl. It and is I kept so going back to be like, which one is it? Which one is it? Surely it's Mark. But because they have not said Mark in 25 pages, I am sure it's Carl. And because he was so careful to try to set up, because the whole time he's been like, Nia like Mark so much more than she like Carl. Right. Mark have intellectual sex with her. They have like a naked book club in which they read Lady Chatterley's Lover, just like in one of the A Nice Nim things. Like he slowly fucks her to orgasm and it's like a soulful experience. And so he's so careful, A, not to say Carl's name, but B, to give us a scene of sex that is Mark-like and not Carl-like that I was like, go right. fuck yourself. There's tattoos all over this motherfucker. Yeah. Anyway. Would, yeah. So they're doing it and they're waiting for the brother to arrive. They're they're both like super stoked to get that brother penis up in there. And right. that's fine. And that's that's fine. fine. Whatever you want. So she opens her garage door when he texts her She's that he's there. super naked. Yeah. 
No, she just hears the doorbell, right? And so she opens she, the garage she door. she reaches around. Yeah, she opens the garage door. Doesn't look out the windows. Hey, guess what, guys? Out of left field. <laughs> yeah. It's not the brother. It is the jewel of the South in another completely astonishing literary move. Appearing like the Wicked Witch of the West. She had let oh. the devil inside her home. She had let evil into her house. Yes. It is so fucked. So she goes upstairs. They argue for a little bit while Nia stays downstairs. And then all of a sudden, the sounds of the arguing are over. And she realizes that one has killed the other. Um, No, they're fucking. They're clearly having sex. Duh. So it's silent. And so she's like, one of them has killed the other one. I, I cannot believe it. And then she's really confused because it sounds like the dude is slapping Jewel over and over and no. over and over <laughs> yeah, again. That's not what's happening. No, that's not what's happening. So she walks in. They're having sex. Yeah, he's her got her bent over. The- to this is, is to insane. yell, "You bitch! You spat in my face, you bitch!" While her boyfriend has the wife bent over her own bed in her own house. It's so crazy that her reaction is like. You spit in my face. And then... And then she gets on the bed, naked as the day she was fucking born. Sorry to bring more child imagery into this, but that's what he did first. Also, he's saying while he has sex with her, I never loved you. I don't love you. And this lady is sobbing. Yes. It's a lot, guys. And so then she, like, gets on her back and attempts to suffocate Jewel with her thighs. But then that turns into jewel going the fuck down on her Mm -hmm. and then it's this weird like four page back and forth where one of them will try to pull away neo will start pulling away and Mm -hmm. jewel will like be like no give me that clit i have to lick it and then jewel will be like pushing her away because she actually can't breathe and neo will be Mm -hmm. like no you lick this clit until it kills you and it keeps going back and forth like this until she's Nia trying to comes. suffocate her. But is just, she or is she trying to also come? Like she's trying to murder <sighs> and come. Yes. I want to read this other extremely offensive passage. Please. I'm sorry. No. Okay, I mean, From what when, for. when she came up the stairs. She had invaded my home, marched into my bedroom like she was with the Gestapo. <gasps> mm hmm. No. No, she fucking didn't. No. No. Had thrown her rage and arrogance and insults from wall to wall and was getting punished for her unforgivable actions. What has she done? What the fuck did she do? I mean, she spit in her face. But what? That's not unforgivable. Not trying to escape the insanity, but behaving like she wanted this. Complaining and cursing and crying, but not fighting. Not the way I would battle if I were being taken against my will. I don't even know what that meant. She's just going up her stairs. I think she's saying that Jewel seems like she's having a bad time. And, <laughs> and uh, no, no, no. What, listen, listen. And that, and that the dude is attempting to punish her, but that it's not yeah. working because Jewel is actually into it. Okay, but I don't even think we're there yet. That, that may be. But I think she's just marching into her home screaming things at that point. Oh. She's not even having sex yet. And I have no fucking clue. As usual. But here's the point. You don't you don't get to throw Gestapo around. No. Okay. No, you don't. You don't. You can't. I don't no. I won't allow it. No. And I don't know. I I know. So then 
Guys, the big reveal happens. Bump it up, bum. It's so literary. It had done been Carl. Oh my gosh, the guy has tattoos. And so what? What she says that she didn't see while it was downstairs. It was silent because Jewel had been uh, yelling, and then she pushed him, and he fell down onto his back. And so she just got on top of him and started like blowing him against his will and she says like i promised myself i'd never suck your dick again and then she she like does it she like forces it on him then he like pushes her down on the bed and starts fucking her from behind like to punish her question mark also because he's into it question mark and then the whole scene that we described already happens Mm -hmm. but it's carl it's not her husband and she tries to scratch off his tattoo of kenya the the girl that he used to love yeah there's this whole thing you guys this this whole thing ends ends it does end carl leaves yeah they i do want to say one of the ways this ends is this i had to get up i had to kick this evilness out of my bed grab her by her hair and drag her down the carpeted stairs open the front door and drag her down the concrete stairs and throw her out on the streets it was my right to beat her like a slave i was going to beat her until i became the lead story on the news i would beat her so bad that atlanta would forget about michael vick yikes why why um so she sticks around because there's like a tornado and they have to get in a bathtub together yeah yeah but here's the thing she tells her this whole sordid history about like fucking both twins and it just being jealousy and but not at the same time because she was too puritanical in her words to do that and she like it's like blows her mind that she never thought she could maybe have both twins or something like that which like she couldn't in the first place like that's not even a thing like mark loves you carl doesn't sorry but basically the whole story boiled down is she wanted carl first but then she like ended up on a date with mark and then decided to start seeing mark then they all took a trip down to uh jamaica and Carl was off again with his on again, off again girlfriend, Kenya. He's had he has tattoos of her face and her name on his body, uh, like throughout the novel. And um, basically, she ends up making out with Carl in front of Mark. And Mark is like, huh, so you want to fuck my brother, huh? Maybe you should just fuck him. And then Mark leaves the door open. Yeah. And they just they all have this kind of sordid thing. And I guess not sordid, but they have this very complicated, you know, thruple thing with a lot of jealousy and a lot of bad. The sordid part to me is the is the bad, the jealousy and the the bad feelings is the her wanting to actually be with Carl. But right but being with mark and neither of none of safe. them really want to be in a thruple you know they're right. they're all it's all a lot of bad stuff right. and then she basically tells kenya that they're in kenya the thruple and down. ruins ruins that relationship you guys it doesn't matter it except doesn't matter. that nia decides to wash her hands of the whole situation pretty much um then she goes to trinidad then she does go to that trapeze club are we done oh uh, she hallucinates a nice nin and both of her lovers at trapeze but now we're done Okay. Yeah. And then it ends on a nice nin quote. Listen, so here's the thing. I am not actually a big a nice nin fan. Like, I just, I haven't read a ton of her stuff. Whatever. But the one thing that I think most people can agree on is that if nothing else, if you want to say that the rest of her shit is awful, the one thing that makes a nice nin badass is that no matter fucking what, she was never ashamed 
of her Mm -hmm. sexual exploits, of her sexual decisions. To include having sex with her father. She owned everything she wanted, no matter how taboo it was, no matter how looked down upon by society. She would not, she refused to fit into the mold that people wanted her to. And that, if nothing else, is commendable. And what really mm-hmm. pisses me the fuck off is that Eric Jerome Dickey, in it from my perspective, tried to create this homage to a nice nin with like blatant imagery. And I mean, he evokes her image constantly in this thing. And yet this novel is so filled with shame and questioning and I'm dirty, and was I born this way? And am I feeling am I feeling these confusing romantic thoughts because it's my my female nature? Like it says, a woman let a man penetrate her, and emotions fought with logic. That was our faulty wiring at work. That was our never-ending struggle with nature. At least it was mine. I could only speak for me. Men said they loved you to get sex. Women had sex hoping love was at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. It's so like the slavery imagery, the the we are the we are like she can't she can't help herself and she has to submit to these mm-hmm. desires. Like it's just so it's so interlaced with shame and misogyny and fucked upness that a nice nin would be so angry, I think. Yeah, and I the thing that bothered me the most, I think, was just laying in these very, um, the slavery imagery, the Holocaust imagery, mm-hmm. like POWs, like that kind of stuff that I found to be very triggering, I guess, just in the middle of yeah stuff where it didn't belong and triggering in a way that I don't even really feel entitled to as a white woman. Correct. But it would still really upset me. And it came out of nowhere and it wasn't earned and there was no payoff. And I felt like a lot of that was just used as a tool for either shock value or a way to show. Yeah, or worse. And I think that combined with the just kind of casual shaming, I honestly feel like casual socioeconomic shaming, um, poverty shaming, fat shaming, woman on woman, you know, not like other girls shaming was just upsetting it was rampant yeah and i am not here for it i'm sorry like i i'm really really glad that there are a ton of people that enjoyed this and thought it was hot and i don't think that they are wrong for feeling that way i don't think they're wrong yeah i just love what you personally it's fine i just did did not, not did not did not cannot won't so that's where that is do you have a lady love? Wow, do I have a lady love is a great question that you just asked. I did cut it off at two hours and 40 something minutes. Whoa, great job to us. This is going to be our longest episode. Yeah. Uh, lady love. The one I can think of right in this moment is I have to echo your never have I ever. You sort of threw it in as like an also this is really good, but never have I ever on Netflix. Oh, mm-hmm. it was so good. Wasn't it delightful? Yeah. yeah. And it was so, man, it was, it was so 
fun and it was so mm-hmm. empowering and it was so like and it was it was a very uh sneak up on you emotions mm-hmm. i definitely sobbed and the love interest was unexpected for me even though like it should have been completely expected oh god i oh sad lonely boys just make my heart <laughs> sing <laughs> Yeah, and I'm excited for the triangle that I'm hoping for in season two. Oh yeah, I just I'm I, I'm really into it. It was a nice it was a nice show. It was a good one. Speaking of sad, lonely boys that yeah. just make my heart sing. Yeah, and as we've learned throughout the life of this podcast, um, boys that are trying to do the right thing but just oh, can't, but just can't. can't do it. Just can't. They try and they can't. They try and they can't. They just want to do the right thing, but they can't. <laughs> um, my friends up here in Alaska and I have just discovered a little show called The Vampire Diaries that we totally <laughs> slept on for apparently two decades. And it is a delight. It is so good. Here's the thing. So I are just- you talking about Damon? <laughs> I am. I, I love can't. Damon. Um, yeah, I would Ooh. get killed by him 100%. Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean... Yeah. Episode one, episode uh-huh. two. Like, I'm not talking about a character arc or an evolution. No, I, I would just get Damon. killed. Yeah. I love him. I, and I did from episode one as well. I was never a, a Stefan girl. No, never. no one is. I, you can Super be not lame. a Damon girl and still not a Stefan girl. No one is. <laughs> but yeah, I slept on this. It was during, it came out during a time where I was too cool for school. And I was like, why would I watch high schoolers like dry hump when I can watch True Blood? <laughs> and the answer is because it's great. Because it's excellent. <laughs> um so if you slept on that one and you think that it's gonna be dumb because it was on the cw and it's just like dry humping and like alt rock uh emo music the answer is it is but that's where you are in your life listener <laughs> yes it's good um so that's my lady love wow you can find wow. us everywhere just google Guys, just, bosoms you know, and you'll, you'll find it it's fine all right. Keep being a badass. And love yourself oh, as you much it. as you love the friend whose boob just <laughs> popped out in the bathroom. And you got to lick it. And it bounces around. And then you just grab that boob and, and you, you lick it, it twice. And, and then you, you put it back. It. You put it back in that shirt. And that's how you know that you're good friends. That's how you tell everyone. That is your billboard that says we are real we are good friends. Real good friends. And do not, do not make this a challenge on the Heaving Bosoms trip. Don't you fucking dare. (laughs) You are not allowed. I will shut that shit right down. (laughs) The true friends challenge. Slurp, slurp. (laughs) All right. We done? Bye. We're sorry. Bye. We're sorry. If you made it this long, we're sorry. We love you. I'm sorry. Goodbye. We'll we'll be better next week. Bye. Yeah. We'll be funny again someday. (laughs) Bye. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. 
we are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas. Okay, back to the show. <laughs>